You know, I bet... I don't know, man. I'm so good at Google food. I bet you I could probably go through Google and find that option. There's probably some shit that I'm just not seeing. Well, it's not where I thought it was, so... Yeah, it which it which should be straight in the audio, even in the advanced settings. There's an attack. Yeah. And this actually, I think this version of Skype updated like two weeks ago, maybe a week ago. Whatever seven four, whatever version this is. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of crazy, you know. Like I said, Windows Ten itself will pick it up automatically. Yeah. But <clears throat> manual settings aside. Is it cold where you are? Uh, it's been going back and forth. Uh, last right. week, a couple of days were super cold. And then today I wore my jacket to work and, you know, I took it off as soon as I got to work and couldn't wear it at lunch because it was too hot. Yeah. We had like a burst of cold weather here for a, a hot second. And then it's, it's not hot. It's not back to being hot, but it's, it doesn't feel like November should. Yeah. Well, in the past decade, Mississippi's doesn't really feel the way any, <laughs> any month should, except for like June and July. Yeah, we're supposed to get a lot colder weather towards the end of this week with uh, Saturday and Sunday being, I think, in the 40s. Yeah. Two more fucking months, man. Less than two. Yeah. This year's over. It's gone. It's flown by. Yeah. It's been a fairly good year for gaming, anyway. That's for damn sure. Yeah. You haven't you haven't played Breath of the Wild yet, have you? No, I did. Remember? Oh, you did? Yeah, I haven't beat it, but I played God, it. I forgot that. Because yeah. hey, you have <clears throat> you have a Wii U as well, right? Yes. Ah. Because remember, I asked you if it was worth getting a Switch for, or if I sh- or if it was worth waiting until I had a Switch, or if I should just go ahead and get it for Wii U. Oh yeah. I can't even remember my own damn podcast. That's how bad I am. (laughs) I do remember that shout-out. I definitely do. Uh, From what I'm hearing, Mario Odyssey is just as good. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I don't know. What's that long? Yeah. I've been tempted. That's what that is. (laughs) I'm I'm really hoping it'll scratch that, you know, 3D Mario itch, you know, Mario 64 itch. That's what Um, I've heard it does. Yeah. I've exactly. I watched a little bit of gameplay. The first, uh, I don't even, I think maybe two levels or something like that. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I don't want to watch too much of it, but yeah, it may not matter because it's kind of one of those things that you can watch and still enjoy playing. I think. Mm-hmm. So I might go ahead and watch some more of it. I treat most video game, I mean, uh, movie trailers that same way. Uh, I try not to watch them, but I I say that, and yet I'll watch them when they're in the theater and I will watch them when they're, they're interest to me, but I've been trying my best not to because trailers fucking ruin things. And yeah. like, you'll, I'll see one trailer and I'll say, okay, I've seen that it has my interest moving on with life. And then I'll see a second trailer. It's like, all right, well now you're showing too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when like, you change hey, what's in the trailer, you're exposing more of the movie. What is the, when, oh, you know what? We need to fire off some quizzes here before we roll into this episode today. Have you seen... Oh, boy. You have... <laughs> it's good. It's all good. I just want to make sure of how what level I'm going to get to talk about shit today. Um, of course, you still have not played Near Automata, correct? Right. 
Okay. Uh, I'm going to need your graces to whether or not to talk about that, and even if and if I can, whether I can spoil it or not. All right. Let me uh, give me one quick second. You can keep talking. I'm just going to pull it up on Steam and take a look real quick. Okay. And get a gauge of what my interest in the game uh, okay. I think it would be. Uh, have you seen Thor Ragnarok yet? No. God damn it, Chris! I told you, I haven't been watching movies. <laughs> damn it! Um. Well, shit. Had to learn some new tactics on how to do a spoiler-free review of games and movies. I mean, everybody everybody does them. It's not that hard. It's just, ugh! Won't talk about them. That's fine. That's fine. We can still we can still roll on into it. Uh, I don't know, man. It's a we we, we can talk about it. I can I can give you my perspective of it. I'm just nervous about if I give you my perspective, it may sway a decision on your part. Nah, we'll I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. We'll talk about it. Um. Near Automata, yeah. you can go ahead. I think, I don't know, I would probably play it, but I don't see it being high on my list. Okay. I'll try to keep it as spoiler-free, and for the audience as well, of course. But, yeah, uh, yeah I've got some shit to say. Other pop quiz. What is your favorite guilty pleasure fast food place to eat at? Taco Bell. Really? That's why I have of for dinner. All of, of <laughs> all of them, that's the that's the if when you your go to is Taco Bell. Yes. Oh, man, I've, I, you know, it, it, I think this is just a pure laziness thing, because my I think my Taco Bell shit comes and goes. I do love Taco Bell. Not, not again. If we're speaking clearly on a guilty pleasure place to fucking throw food in your mouth, I like Taco Bell, but. My Taco Bell cravings come and go, but generally I have more hamburgers, more like just hamburger and fries, maybe hamburger, fry, and milkshake cravings than I do taco ones. Mm -hmm. And it is the, unfortunately, where I live, even though it's like two miles up the road, it is still the closest place to me is McDonald's. Oh, I live next to a uh, Walmart, and of course... Where you have a Walmart, you have all the food places around it. Right. So we have really no shortage of options. I think the farthest one that we actually go to is Arby's. Yeah. Um, but that one's more of a drive, so we don't go there as often. Yeah, if I go to the nearest fast food place, it's going to be McDonald's. I think there's a Wendy's there as well. If I go an extra three miles, three to four miles out of my way, then I'm in the big area where there's the, the shopping centers, the Walmart the other fast food places and I have I have a little bit more of a pick. I'm just so fucking lazy. I am a <laughs> home locked son of a bitch. When I'm at home, I want to be home and I'm like, all right, I can just go off the road, be back in ten minutes. Yeah, I'm the same <laughs> way. Once it's like once I get home, I don't want to leave until I have to go to work again. To the degree of my wife and I both have looked at uh using waiter. Have you do y'all have waiter where you are? No, but I I'm sure there's similar uh apps or places or whatever that serve the same yeah. purpose. 
Yeah, if, if for anybody that doesn't know, it's a it's just it's a web it's an app, and it's it's I'm I'm assuming it's like a local business style place, but they you ordered your food online from X restaurant. They go to the restaurant, pick the food up, and bring it to your house. And there's a yeah. I'm sure there's some surcharge, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, for it. Yeah, there are so um, many of them that do that now. And you know. We're like on the outskirts, just on the outskirts of where they deliver and don't deliver, and they're like, "Come to your area soon." So, uh, I just get up and fucking. I, I t- if I'm really in the mood for something else, I'll take the drive. We have uh, in my vicinity, I'd say like just pick up and go stuff. We have like a Five Guys. There, there is a sushi place I can call in. Uh, there's a, like a Chick-fil-A, Buffalo Wild Wings, Subway. There's also a Subway close to me, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Papa John's does delivers here. Thank God. Because it used to be for our house. It was just Dom. All right. Uh, this, this is, this is a <laughs> critical fucking question, Chris. You have to right. pick an answer. Don't, don't fucking be a hipster and tell me Sally J's Pizzeria. You gotta choose between Papa John's, Domino's, and Pizza, uh, pa- uh, Domino's, Papa John's, and Pizza Hut for your pizza preference. Pick. Domino's. Oh, man. Well, I'm, uh, but I'm alone. Podcast in. over, everybody. <laughs> this, this is the end of time cast signing off. I'm alone in that opinion here, though, in my apartment. Yeah. So, I'm the only one. So, we often get Pizza Hut. Um, she's shaking I, her head no, but we do. I the, the main thing that I used to like from Pizza Hut was they were my first taste for barbecue pizza. Way back in the day, my mom and dad used to every once in a while get barbecue pizza from them, and it was just, it was just fucking shredded beef tossed in barbecue with barbecue sauce on top. Not not like they do now, where they make the sauce of the pizza barbecue. It was just you know they just put like a little with a fucking brush. Love that shit. You know but, it's. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was just saying, but other than that, I mean, Pizza Hut it's kind of a hit or miss for me. I don't hate them. I don't love them. They're just you know. And here's the thing. I don't like the crust from pretty much any pizza place anymore. Oh, yeah? They Like, Domino's changed their recipe. I know yes, they Pizza did. Hut did. And, you know, once Domino's added the garlic or whatever it is to the crust, around that same time, just pretty much all of them went to crap. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know why they felt as necessary because, you know, Domino's has been my favorite pizza always, you know? I- I don't know what taste they're going for with that crust, and they make such a big deal about slathering it all over the fucking box, just pasting it everywhere with new yep. crust and new flavor, and you'll love this shit. You'll fucking dip your dick in this pizza. The crust tastes, and you taste it, and I, I just, again, I don't know what taste they're going for, but that is not, their crust used to be better. And you can't they're opt old. out of it. Yeah, and yeah, you, you have to take it. I understand, you know, giving more variety, more choices, but when you're forcing it on every customer, yeah. that seems like a poor business decision to me. So for me, Pizza Hut is it's 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 hit or miss. I'll take it or leave it. It is what it is. We get Domino's here every now and again because my wife loves the pasta bowls. Mm-hmm. She loves the those bowls, and when she wants those, then I'll I'll end up getting something. I'll make my own pizza or something. Um, 
I've been a Papa John's fanboy for close to a decade now. I don't know when it started a decade ago. I just got a pizza from a fucking Papa John's, and they they have, like every other fucking restaurant, sort of scaled down in their quality. It doesn't feel like it's the same fresh-cut vegetables and all that shit like it used to, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I did find something. I'm still in the process of getting my lazy ass onto Google and searching for myself. But apparently, and I hope this is not true because I don't want to lose any possible fucking donations from Papa John's. But I heard that there was apparently some controversy about them. Something to do with their, with their employment. Like they, they laid off so many thousands of employees as opposed to increasing their, their price on their pizza or some shit. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to things like that, though. So, I mean, I don't look for it, but, <clears throat> you know, like being a veteran, if I found out that fucking Taco Bell was laying off veterans specifically for whatever reason, I wouldn't support Taco Bell anymore. Right. I don't I don't carry a flag at all times, but, I mean, when somebody puts it to my, hey, did you know that fucking Burger King, like, like, used to have this thing and now they're like bashing veterans online or some shit like, yeah so. <laughs> anyway moving on with life hello everyone and welcome to the end of time i'm michael i'm chris and today we just don't give a fuck <laughs> today we just said fuck it we're just gonna talk about fucking taco bell and pizza hut i hope y'all are fucking ready <laughs> oh man uh before we get into weeks i wanted to i wanted to talk about some news that i ran across that is very interesting uh how i think i've asked you this before but just mm-hmm. in case and it doesn't matter i'll ask you 20 times it's our podcast how do you play fighting games at all not that much anymore no Right. Um, I don't, I, again, if I look at my 360 library, I probably got about five, six really good fighting games in it. Um, but I'm the same way. I, and again, I think it's because I grew up in that lifestyle that I didn't have people around me to compete with, that I just didn't get pushed into that mindset to the degree of when I did find people who were tournament-minded or, you know, versus player-minded with fighting games like Tekken or Street Fighter, I just get my ass kicked. So I'm a button masher. Exactly. Uh, I like fighting games. I get the, I get the appeal of them. The ones that I do have and have played, I've enjoyed them. I love the King of Fighters franchise. I love the Tekken franchise. Uh, I, I mean, I could just ramble off fucking random games that I like. Killer Instinct was always my favorite. But um, Street Fighter EX plus Alpha. Oh, <laughs> I remember that. I remember it. Um, but I did find a piece of tournament news. Oh, uh, th- you know, before I get into that, another a little side tangent. Chris, do you know what Salty Bed is? No. Okay. You need to check this out sometime. Even if you're not a fighting game guy. Have you ever heard of uh, the Mugen engine? Does that sound familiar? Yes. Okay. For those in the audience that doesn't, that doesn't know, the Mugen engine is a, it's basically a 
fighting game maker engine. It's a very bare bones, very ba- very basic uh, medium for making characters and putting them into a fighting game. The reason why this is important is because the gaming and anime community at large has made have made massive amounts of characters for this game. So back in the day, <clears throat> sorry, if you were actually playing Mugen itself, depending on what build you had or depending on what, you know, batch of characters for whatever version you were playing, you could see on a on a low level. You could see Street Fighter 2 version of Ryu versus Ultra Street Fighter 4 version in a pixelated form. You could see Guile versus uh fucking Reptile. You could see somebody from Tekken fighting somebody from an anime, etc. etc. The, the more you bulge out, the the larger the audience gets. Uh, it's very it was it's very easy to just make a character from whatever the fuck you want and as I go more to explain this you'll understand what I mean by anything can go in this game um, you just make your character you have a subset of things you have to do you have to animate walking left walking right jumping up jumping uh, crouching uh, throwing a punch throwing a kick have a have a have an animation for when you uh, win animation for you lose the music that would play for different of things if you wanted to sound effects and whatnot and so on and so forth. So they give you this build, you make a character, you put it in a Mugen, and then you just fight with it. Salty Bet takes that same frame and automates it, and it makes if you if you've ever heard of the thing like like uh, Twitch plays. Where Twitch plays Pokemon, Twitch plays Dark Souls, etc. Same type of mindset. They have the game is basically putting computer versus computer at all times, and there are thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands by this point, of Mugen characters that they put in this game in this engine. They're all tiered, and they're all in their little tier brackets, and. It just fucking best two out of three matches for two random people. You can Google Salty Bet. It'll take you right to the website. Uh, you can watch matches, and it's all automated. I think there are ways that people can vote, or they can add submissions to actual uh, matchmaking matches or uh, exhibition matches. Uh, there's three modes that 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 you sh- that always run. There they are: the matchmaking, the tournament and exhibitions the tournament is just as it says it is a tournament depending on what rank it is i think there's i think there's p b a and s with s and x x being the top so you'll watch a s rank tournament and there will be x amount of people for the s rank tournament they fight and they win and etc etc uh the exhibitions are people have created matches that they want to see play out. And then matchmaking is the muke is the salty bet engine itself pitting these characters against each other and them either moving up or moving down in rank as they win or lose. Uh, another appeal of it is you can bet it's it's fake money, but you can bet who's going to win and who's going to lose. 
Uh, long story short, the mass appeal of Salty Bet is you can go to there, you can watch, and you don't know what the fuck you're going to see. You could see uh, Jubei from Ninja Scroll fighting a fucking Pokemon. And then you'll see Big Bird from fucking Sesame Street fighting a actual physical Game Boy. <laughs> then you'll see uh, Raiden from Metal Gear Rising Revengeance fighting fucking Ronald McDonald. Etc. 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 If somebody has made a character and submitted it to Mugen and Mugen ha- or a Salty Bet and Salty Bet takes it in, they add it to the roster. They have they are up to their I think seventh roster update, which added another like seven hundred and fifty something characters on top of the who knows how many thousand they had before that. Yeah, uh, right now it's uh, Raphael versus Goku. Ah, you see. It's, it's the shit that you'll see. Uh, you can spectate it. You can log in and get like fake money. You can bet. Uh, this thing is addicting for me. It is a, if you have a gambling, I'll tell you right now, if you are a person in my audience or our audience, sorry, and you have a gambling problem, this is where you need to go because you can, you can just blow your fucking gambling wad on this thing. Uh, it's very, it's very addicting on the gambling side, and it's fake money. So you're not losing anything. You're not winning anything, but you're not losing anything. You're just trying to bet on who's going to win. Um, yeah, I figured when I saw someone with a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bet, I was like, okay, this is fake money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love salty bet, man. To the degree I've told my wife on several occasions that we need to upgrade our internet to where we don't have to worry about a cap, and I'm going to get a third TV in this room, and I'm just going to have <laughs> I'm just going to have salty bet running twenty four seven. Um. I forget how I even got on the tangent of salty bet, but uh, I imagine it was to deal with tournaments. Uh, I don't follow tournaments except for <laughs> except for salty bet, but uh, I I do I will admit every now and again I'll go to YouTube and look up different uh, like Evo tournaments. I'm a I'm a passive fan of looking up like the top 32 players of an Evo tournament, the top eight players. Um. I don't, I don't get nearly as excited for those tournaments as I do, uh, say games done quick, which we could talk about at some point. Yeah. But uh, I, it's 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 it's, it's I, I can get a kick out of it. I can watch it. I can watch a fucking Killer Instinct tournament and and fucking root somebody on when I know what I'm looking at. Um, the reason why I'm bringing up tournaments and shit at all is because the, if you don't know. The newest fighting game addition to the Marvel vs. Capcom uh, series came out this year. Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Good game. Always, well, the series is good. I haven't played Infinite because it's new and I, who the fuck am I going to play it against? Um, They have a tournament going on. I believe it's called the Marvel Battle for the Stones. It's what it's called. So it's a real game, real tournament going on. Uh, I don't know when the actual like match itself is being played, the actual cup. But the reason why I'm even bringing this up is because they are doing something for this tournament that is fucking awesome. This is something that needs to be emulated by every other tournament if they can find a fucking way to do it. So... 
Chris, have you ever played a Marvel vs. Capcom game? Yes. Okay, so you know that back in the day, like the original Marvel vs. Capcom, they had Infinity Stones. That was one of the draws to it. You had that was one of the gimmicks of the game itself. You had in, and in general, I know you know what an Infinity Stone is. But in Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, you do have stones that let you do different things during the match. They give they give different power ups or different uh, different match incentives. I'm not sure what they are because again, I've done little to to research this game. But the actual physical tournament here in the real world, they have also engineered Infinity Stones. I'm sure they've got little physical representation of these things too, but they've had little, I guess you would say, like prerequisite tournaments before the actual Battle of the Stones tournament. And in all of these tournaments, the winners have been able to win these stones. They're going to actually be able to, in this, in the real world, use these stones in the actual tournament. Just like you would use an infinity stone in a match in a game. So here's, here's the, uh, here's the, the descriptions of what these stones will actually do. They have a space stone. The space stone allows the stone bearer to swap their position in the bracket and face a different opponent. The position must be in an equal place in the tournament. So you can be in this tournament at this point and say, hey, I'm using my space stone. I want to swap my position from this person, this, from my position to that person's position in the same bracket. You have a soul stone. The soul stone allows the stone bearer to erase one of their losses in a three out of five set. So if you lose one, you can just say, yeah, soul stone. I'm going to take that loss out. Awesome. They have a time stone. The time stone allows a stone bearer to cease flow of time, enabling them to negate the use of an opponent's stone bearer power any time during the tournament for one match. So they can just negate somebody else's stone if they use it. It's like a defensive stone, I guess. Yeah. Uh, power stone. The power stone allows for the stone bearer to land the first hit in a match, giving them a guaranteed life advantage over their opponent by executing the first combo of a match. That's critical. Oh, yeah. Because if me and you are in a fighting match, and I am guaranteed the first hit could be a fucking high punch, could be a fireball, it could be the first punch in a 27-hit combo. If you can't if if you can't give a answer to my first hit, if you can't get out of my first hit or get out of my combo, that's a win. I mean, yeah. that's a so that's a severe advantage, especially at that level of gameplay. Exactly. Uh the mind stone allows the stone bear to control their opponent's mind by choosing both of their characters and infinity stone. Again, another crucial one. If all I know to play is fucking Dante, uh, Jetta, and Thanos, and then you pull this stone, you're like, well, up, oh, you're playing Ryu, fucking uh, Nemesis, and Chris Redfield. Have fun with that. Oh, and you get to use another stone that you don't know how to use. That's crazy. To pick somebody else's characters in the tournament? Holy shit. Holy shit. I mean, all you'd have to do is for the Infinity Stone part is give them the defensive one, because if you've yeah. already used it, then they can't—they have nothing to negate. If you have it, yeah. 
And then there's the reality stone. The reality stone grants the stone bearer the ability to alter reality by swapping three button functions in their opponent's controller configuration. <laughs> so you pull up fucking controller configuration and you just swap three buttons around and they have to, they have to work with it. This is awesome. This is fucking interesting. This is, this is more to the basic Hey, it's just a tournament for money. Awesome. Awesome. I hope more tournaments do shit like this. Very, very interesting. You know, it's kind of sad, though, when you're, you know, you start talking about, hey, I want to talk about this tournament, and I was like, oh, great. What did they do now? You know, I expect it to be something negative. Yeah. What does that say about our, you know, gaming scene? That's my first reaction. Well, I I would, well, then tell me, Chris, what, what negative things have you seen in the tournament world, period? Oh man. Uh I mean if you go to you know the Counter-Strike or StarCraft scenes, you have the whole and this well, if I go to the Counter-Strike when you have the whole betting scandals, uh fixed matches, you know, real world type stuff for real sports that apply to esports now that's well, Chris, happening. What what is a betting scandal? Uh, well, well okay. people betting let, and then let me, re- let, me, let me rephrase that so it don't sound like a fucking dumbass. What betting scandal is it that comes to mind when you hear about Counter Strike tournaments? I'd have to go back and look up the team names because they're not players I was familiar with at the time. Yeah, um, it was one of the lower tier teams, I believe. Um, either that was before I was into the scene, or it came out, you know, after I was into the scene. But it was a while after the matches had been played. It's one of those things that comes, you know, a year. In the future, they discover, oh, hey, you know, the tournament a year ago, they fixed the match or whatever. Um, It's not something that's immediately noticed. So I don't know all the details about it as far as memorizing it. Like collusion Um, and shit like that. Yeah. They're Mm -hmm. like, oh, and there's this guy, I remember uh, one of the big big things, he's actually banned from CSGO for life because he was running a betting site and then doing something to... Uh, oh fuck! I remember that. Fix match or throw the match or something like that. Yeah, he made yeah. a big fucking video, like you know, basically saying, "Guys, like all I did was just not tell y'all about this. It's not like I was lying to you. I just didn't bring this up." And it's like, what a douche! Yeah. So what a dick! I know in StarCraft they actually had something that came out, and you know, uh, I'm not sure if you'll. F- I know you're familiar with StarCraft, but the tournament scene for it, especially in Korea, how big it is, mm-hmm. the top StarCraft players, uh, and at least it used to be like, I don't know if it is now because I've been out of the scene for a while, but they're treated basically like movie stars. Yeah. yeah. To the, you know, Koreans. And there, and it was really huge when it came out that there was someone throwing matches then. And it was wow. a respected player. So that was wow. just, you know, a huge scandal for them. Yeah. Um, and just just to put a, a finer point on this for people that are saying, like, it's fucking Counter-Strike, it's Street Fighter, it's what what does it matter? It matters because if you do your research, these tournaments profit a lot of money. There are hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions these days for all I know, that can be won through a tiered rank of, of winnings of wins. 
So yeah, um, Dota your top two. players are winning like seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's a, when shit comes up that oh yeah, it was a, it was fixed. There was collusion. That's kind of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dota two, and I don't know how high League of Legends is because I don't watch it, but I know Dota two. They have their TI or whatever it is, the uh, Invitational World. That's their big tournament, and mm-hmm. the prize pool is typically over a million because they crowdfund it. Wow. So it'll start out with, oh, yeah, the prize pool is a million dollars. By the way, everybody who buys this item on Steam are do- is directly donating to the total. So if you have a 1,000 people that, you know, donate 15 bucks, you've now increased the prize pool by, you know, $15,000. However, it's not limited to just a 1,000 people. Right. You have tens of thousands. You have people that individually will put in $500 or more. So these people Man. are drastically increasing the prize pool to where it goes from a million to millions. Yes. Nice. So yeah, it's very important when you hear shit like, the bad shit makes a difference, okay? It's not just people pushing buttons and winning a trophy. <laughs> yeah, and these are people that are doing this for their livelihood, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, Before we roll into well actuallys, uh, I want you to clarify some stuff for me, Chris. Okay. Be- have you been to Korea before? Yes. I know, I'm, I'm asking that for the audience. I know you've been. But, so I have heard, I'm just going to give you what I hear, have heard, and I want you to just ex- expand on it. I've heard that in, in Korea, gaming over there is like football over here. Like it's, popular it's mega important it's commercialized it's the fucking hypest of the high everybody does it everybody watches it i've heard there are there are skyscrapers of buildings that are dedicated to just people playing games with gigantic large land parties i've heard it's actually a gaming haven for in korea what can you tell me about the gaming scene in korea so I will say that, you know, when I was over there, it was on military orders. I haven't been yeah. there on personal travel. Yeah. Um, but just from being part of the StarCraft scene, there is still... So they have a mandatory draft over there where mm-hmm. you have to serve two years in the military. Mm-hmm. So what a lot of, you know, program pro gamers will do over there is they'll play StarCraft or some other uh, eSport game and get real popular and then they'll go serve their military time and then move on with their life. You know, mm. it's very few of them. I, I don't, I won't say very few because I don't have actual numbers to support that, but there's only a percentage that come back after that. You know, that's kind of like one of those things. And that's only the top is top tier, top tier players, you know, your flash yeah. and, uh, who was the other one? I can't even remember now. It's been so long, but they're, you know, household names. They're, like I said, comparative to movie stars where everybody knows who they are they walk down the street they see fans they have people recognizing them um i will say that there's still the whole uh some of the older generation doesn't get it still just like you know here they're still oh well why are you playing video games when you could go out get a real job or whatever that still happens over there so it's not like everything is drastically better but the newer generations have a much more or a much bigger impact, I guess I should say, on how they 
view video games and the play. They do have the huge land things, uh, cafes at the least, and I don't know about Skyscraper, but it certainly surprised me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they have limited space over there anyway. You go to Seoul, there's millions of people there. Right. What was your favorite thing to eat when you were in Korea? You know, I actually had... Taco Bell, he says. <laughs> so, funny. One of the bases I went to for one of my trips over there, there was a Taco Bell in the food court. So that's mm-hmm. what I have for lunch every day in, in Korea. Um, I think I only had... Oh, you know what? I'll tell you exactly what my favorite food over there was. Uh, wow. Domino's Pizza. It was omelet cheese, Dude, I believe is just what they called fromage. it. Yeah, it was just like omelet cheese. And huh. it was... It was a, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, not getting two things confused, it was a type of ramen... Mm-hmm. That had egg on it and cheese, obviously, omelet cheese, you know. Mm. Um, but that was the best ramen I've ever had, you know. Wow. Um, and there, it was at one of the smaller bases, so I only went there once, so I only got to have it like two times. Mm-hmm. But that was delicious. Did you did you ever come away from Korea with any like great deals, any great snags on the, in the gaming world, anything or? No, I did. You know, hit up the uh, bootleg DVD guy. <laughs> um, you know, That's you get any movie you wanted for five bucks. That's understandable. So I got Rocky and uh, I can't think of what three hundred. Oh yeah, it was back when those were newer movies. <clears throat> right. I think I grabbed four of them for twenty bucks or whatever, and I don't even know if I ever watched them because I knew they're going to be shit quality. But <laughs> yeah, you said bootleg, so yeah. Yeah, I just did it for the you know experience, I guess. Right. Cool. Moving on to well, actually, <laughs> so we can get this out of the way. Yeah, did you have any any corrections or anything you wanted to add? I didn't have a correction, but related to the mobile gaming thing, I actually thought of a question just this morning. Okay. That I would like to get your answer on. All right. What do you think of mobile games? And I know you don't play many, so I don't know how strong of an opinion you'll have. Mm -hmm. But what do you think of games, mobile games you have to pay for versus free games with in-app purchases? Uh, Depending on the game, I could take either one. Um. I don't have anything really for or against either one except for the pay one. Either one of them, if it comes to extra content being pay to win. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was a game I bought. The, I think the, one of the last mobile games I ever purchased was uh, Ultimate Fishing, and I had fun with it. I didn't. I don't. Maybe I didn't get my five dollars out of it, but it's five dollars. You know, come on. Uh, that was because I just didn't finish it. There's more to do, but I mean, again, it's back to the same thing, man. I don't, I just don't play them. Yeah. Uh, I will say that if a game, if a app is free, um, if, if an app is a paid app, I would have more preference and more desire to play it if it has a free demo. 
you know, you'll see a lot of apps where yeah. they have, you know, they, you it'll be two apps for the same game, and one will specifically say demo. Um, I'm not a big fan. I mean, we we don't always have that luxury. We have lived a life where we haven't always had that luxury. But being able to demo a game is important. If it's available, it's nice to do. It's nice to have that option. And yes, even if I'm only paying three fifty for an app, it's still nice to try it out. You know, money will add up if I'm if I'm getting headstrong into the app market and I go pay three fifty for this app, play it for an hour. I don't like it. Pay pay four dollars for this app, two minutes. Yep, nope, nope, not what I thought it was at all. <laughs> of course, there's marketing. There's fucking research you can do. You can read about it. Maybe you can go read a review about it. Maybe you can go find a YouTube video review about it. I don't know, but um, now as far as a free game, I haven't had too many free apps that have ever been like an issue, you know. Where it's like, yeah, well, you can see why this game is free. It's fucking garbage. <laughs> um, I hope this is giving you a good enough answer. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's you know an interesting question because you know you have well i could do in-app purchases for this game to make my money or i could and you know that's kind of a risk because how many people are going to actually buy the in-app stuff which means you know you have to make it worth and whatnot or you could just charge for the game and then you have a guaranteed price for everyone that plays but how many people are going to pay for the app when there's so many free ones out there right so it's kind of a you know business decision these app makers have to make on you know how they want to go, yeah, yeah. What's your? Uh, do you have a threshold on what you're willing to spend on a mobile game? Uh, I gotta tell you because again, it it's it's all very not even not even just subjective. It's it's very. What would make me even get a mobile game is very loose. Mm-hmm. That makes any sense. So I haven't I personally have not gone so far into this mobile gaming scene to go research a ton of games and see if one the phone that I have or two a a the top of the line phone can or three if the game itself can Give me what I get from a console or PC standpoint. I'm sure they exist, and I'm sure they're trying so fucking hard to get there. But if those games ever came around, if it got to a point where I could, and again, this is bypassing the whole entire controller argument that I made, uh, if they ever came to a point where it's like, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got, let me just shit out a game here. The Breath of the Wild 2 sequel. Nintendo sold their rights to other companies and it's coming out for the iPhone X2. I mean, maybe. But again, we're <laughs> jumping through too many hoops to get this shit done. Yeah. I would say if I went on my phone right the fuck now and just look through and just browse and pick like, look through a top 20 list of games and found a game that I would be interested in. Depending on the game, depending on what I see the quality, maybe I think maybe 10, maybe even $15 at the most. Generally, I haven't seen that. Generally, I see app, I see games that are usually around anywhere from 5 to 7 bucks, 3 to 7 bucks maybe. But 
depending on how fucking holy shit this game has got me for whatever reason a mobile game could, 15 bucks would probably be like a hard cap. Okay. I mean, that's more than I'd pay, and I play them pretty frequently. Um, yeah. Because I, I mentioned before that, you know, Final Fantasy or whatever was on the phone, but I believe it was 15 bucks. Yeah. Um, for whichever versions they released on it. And I was like, yeah, that's yeah. too much. Um, I, I typically don't buy a phone game if it's more than like two bucks. Yeah. Or three bucks. Cause I remember, I know the one game that I can remember buying, I don't know how many I've bought. It may just be the one, uh, the rest of my mobile gaming money has been on in-app purchases. Yeah. But the one I bought was a tower defense game. Mm-hmm. And it had a demo, and I put tons of hours into the demo. So I was like, you know what? It's two bucks, or it's three bucks. I'm just going to buy it so I can play, get all the features, you know, which right. weren't many. I don't even know if there were any features that was locked. It was just, hey, buy the game to support us if you like the demo. Yeah, yeah. So I did, because I just put hours upon hours into it, because I love tower defense. And I'm, do you, I'm guessing you felt you got your two bucks out of it? Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> I got my money worth before I ever ever paid for it. Right. <laughs> so uh my will actually for this week was one and I guess in a loose way you could say this was user submitted. Don't 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 start jumping for a joy. We did not get an email yet. <laughs> <laughs> this one was actually proposed to me by my wife that uh who is an avid, an avid listener to the podcast because half the time she's here with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, l- last week I was talking about Grand Theft Auto V and I had made the statement that Grand Theft Auto V had two endings, two choices for the endings. Uh, and that was wrong. Uh, I, I knew it was wrong even when she was telling me this, but yes, there were three ending choices to the game. Uh, you could spoiler warning for Grand Theft Auto V if you didn't play this, Jesus Christ. But you can <laughs> kill Trevor, you can kill Michael, yes. And then you can also choose, I think it was called the, uh, a, a wish, the, a wish of death. Might have, been, might have just been just death wish. Um, but yes, there are three choices to the ending of Grand Theft Auto V, not two. That's all, that's the only one I got. Everything else I said was completely true, completely factual. <laughs> nothing was wrong, so I know everything. <laughs> All right, what what have you been up to this last week, Chris? The audience is f- fucking feverish to know. No, I'm sure. Um, so the two big things in my past week were one, Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I have now beat the game. Uh, to put it into perspective, last week when we, you know, did the cast, I was 21 hours in, and I was 49% complete. So now, I'm at 43 hours in, and 82% complete. Um, I had mentioned that the percentage probably didn't scale for everything that's in the game, and that was mm-hmm. absolutely correct. Um, the story is a huge part of the percentage, and then all the side stuff is, you know the rest i'm uh, like go ahead. first off first off congratulations for beating the game but second off did the story pay off for you i need to know that i enjoyed the last like third of the story more uh-huh. than the first two thirds 
Okay. Okay. By the end of it, I was like, this is a good story. It was a good ending. And I was happy with the overall game at that point. Okay. Um, Sorry to interrupt you. I just, I needed to know that. I needed to know. Nope. Yeah. So. I, yeah, okay. Talking about the percentages. I, at one, on Friday, I didn't stream it and I just went around getting all the eagle points and whatnot, uh, just to have all those, the map unfogged. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you have the fog of war. So I could see all the places I need to go, all the side quests I had available to me, et cetera. Right, um, right. And doing all that net just got me like 1%. But wow. that took me hours to do. You know, I spent wow. like four hours going running from place to place to do it and it got me one percent that tells you yeah that tells you but i mean i'm at 82 percent and probably 75 of that is story Mm -hmm. Um, i still have tons of side quests to do i have no shortage of side quests um so Mm. i'm working on those now to get up to my hundred percent of the game i am gonna hundred percent it um i'm enjoying it enough to do that uh there were a couple other things I wanted to mention, good and bad. Before uh, you get to the good and yeah. bad, let me ask another question. Mm-hmm. As far as you, I'm not saying if the mass appeal, if the mass audience will agree, but in your opinion, are the side quests interesting? I'm not saying they have to be diverse. I'm not saying they have to be just crazy wild and out there, but have they been pretty much, yeah, yeah, I'm going through the numbers, or have they been, hey, these are actually pretty cool? A bit of both. Okay. There That's are, understandable. There's side quests, you know? Yeah, I mean, and there's only and there's so many side quests, but there's only so many different kinds of side quests. They did okay. do a pretty good job of providing characters that had personality or something, you know, unique about them. So it's not like, yeah. oh, this is another NPC X, you know? Thank you could God. replace it with any other character in the game, and it'd be the same. You know, you have this woman who is very angry at everybody. Uh, and then you have this other guy who's kind of sullen. You have a guy who stutters because he's nervous. And then like, you finish the mission, and it's like, where'd your stutter go? He goes, well, I'm not scared of you anymore, so I, I'm not stuttering. You know, I'm fine. Oh, so cool. Cool. It, they have personality to the characters. You have side quests that involve the same characters over and over. So it's like, oh, go help this guy. All right, I helped him. <laughs> it's his mom telling you, hey, my son's being an idiot. Please go help mm-hmm. him out. So you go help him out. He comes back, and then you have another side quest. He goes, he's still not getting it. He's got himself <laughs> in trouble again, you know? Yeah. Apparently now he's been t- kidnapped because he owes people money or because he stole from them or something. Go find out what's going on and help him again. And then, you know, you have a third one where it's finally, all right, things are settling down. He's in this last bit of trouble. I guess that's the one where he gets kidnapped or whatever, you know, the extreme part of it. And then it's all said and done, and you're done with those people. And they just move on with their lives. And you can actually walk around, and in, and this goes into a couple of my points, NPCs live places. Yeah. So all these houses have NPCs that are assigned to them. And the game is a time-based game, a day-of-time game, where certain things happen at night, certain happen during the day. But there's actually a routine for the AI. Uh, so you go into a base, and if it's nighttime, half the guards are going to be sleeping. Right. Guards will rotate between posts. One wait, will leave. Wait, wait, wait. Are you are you talking about Assassin's Creed or Metal Gear Solid Five? <laughs> Assassin's what are you Creed. Doing? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. So 
it's like, okay, there's this guard in my way. I'll just wait for the shift change. I'll just wait for him or he might get bored and stretch and, you know, do something so I can sneak by while he's stretching and looking the other way. He's not just standing there looking straight ahead 24-7. Right. They actually have a routine. They'll go and eat lunch or dinner or whatever. They'll sit there and socialize off to the side when they're off shift or sit around a campfire, you know, BSing. Let me ask another qualifying side quest question then. Yeah. Have you had the grand pleasure of playing The Witcher 3? No. Okay. You need to get on that shit. Yeah. I, I was gonna be I was gonna ask what uh what would you say the level of comparison is is for side quests. Because okay. there are a fuck ton of side quests in Witcher Three. But holy fuck are they all good. <laughs> uh they have that they have uh they have the ability to not ability. They sometimes you'll start a quest and then a third of the way through that quest you get sidetracked by something and it starts a whole different quest. Yeah, uh, you go for one goal. The goal is completely different by the end of it. Uh, it's, oh, it's so good. The Witcher Three in general is just. Mwah. But uh, so anyway, take bring bring you back in, reeling you back into what you were doing before I rudely interrupted your ass. You said you had some good things and bad things to say. Take off. Yeah. So I have an issue with the draw distance in the game. It. Oh. That's just your shit PC, Chris. Don't blame that on the game. This is on Xbox. Oh, fuck me running. Yeah, this fuck is on you, Xbox, Xbox One. Get it together. And, I mean, it's not the Xbox, it's the game. Because other games do it just fine. Um, right. But you look off at the mountain and the mountain's blocky. It's not like the far distance blurry. It's like the bad graphic blocky. And you can't get away with that when <laughs> fucking Zelda Breath of the Wild just kicks your teeth in. No, can't so, do that. Uh-uh-uh. And there's actually some FPS drop on console, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous too. Where wow. I've actually had the game, and I guess it's at loading points is what's happening, but I've had it completely stop a couple times. And I thought the app was crashing because that's happened a couple times, but you know, that's pretty standard for any game at this point in time. And it's not that often. It's been like two times total the app has completely quit on me. Yeah. But I've had, I think, three other times where. Everything just stopped in game. NPC stopped. I stopped. I'd be in midair and I just freeze. Wow. The whole world would freeze, and then it would just pick up and carry on where it was going. It wouldn't do that fast forward thing, you know, try and catch up. It would just resume what it was doing. That's a um, hard fucking man. That's a hard reset yeah. itself for a fucking console to do, you know. Yeah, and I actually had it completely freeze and go back to the title screen on me when I was at the final cutscene. Wow. So I was very concerned that I was about to complete the game and not see the final cutscene. Yeah. I thought I was just completely screwed up, but when I reloaded in, I could hear NPCs talking, so I was like, okay, yeah, it's loading me in, but apparently it's one of those things where it loads you into the world and then loads a cutscene on top of it. Instead of just loading the cutscene separately, you know, kind of having the background loading of the world. To get you back into it faster, uh-huh. um, which going for while you're playing the game to that probably isn't that big of a deal because it's how it does the rest of the game and I don't really have any issues. Yeah. But the uh, the uh, going from the title screen into a cutscene took forever, so I wasn't I had no faith in it again that I was going to actually continue playing. Right. Uh, 
One of the things I mentioned was that you can't max out the skill trees mm-hmm. for it. I don't know what the actual cap is because you get points from things other than the levels. Yeah. That I've had at least one side quest give me a point, and there is a side objective. Um, they're called hermit locations where you just go and take a seat at five places around the world or around the map, and each one of them give you a skill point. So I'm not sure what the actual threshold is for how much of it can you fill out, but I've already done more than I expected. Uh, right. So as I go through the side quest, I'm hoping I get enough to actually fill it completely out, which would be great. Yeah. One thing I like about the game is that when you are on your mount, which is a horse or camel, it will, and horses are faster than camels, go figure. Of course. Uh, yeah. Which, I actually read a review, I think it was on uh, Forbes from one of their gaming guys. He actually was upset that the camel was slower because he actually wanted to ride the camel because that's something new. You know, you can ride horses in lots of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wanted to ride the camel, but he's like, it's slower, so why would I do that when I'm trying to get from point A to point B? Um, but when you're on the mount, you can actually tell it to follow the road, and it will auto-run. Huh. Which is pretty cool because there are some pretty far distances, but it will only follow the roads. It won't go upstairs. It won't go downstairs. I had my horse jump to its own death. Saturday. Um, it didn't kill me, but it killed the horse. It almost killed me, which is probably the only reason it happened. It probably won't do it if it will kill the player. But because I would take only three-fourths of my health in damage, it did it, and then the horse just fell over dead from the impact. Audience, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm. this sounds to me like something that was ripped straight off of, of uh, Witcher 3. Uh, I'm only saying that because it's the first time that I encountered it, but... That's the way the horse riding goes in Witcher 3. You can ride a horse wherever the fuck you want to, provided you can get that horse to that point or to the point, you can go. But the minute that you're galloping through a field and you hit a road and you veer onto the road, you can let it go, and it'll follow the road all the way. And same thing, it won't go through certain areas, but it'll follow the road all the way. Until you make a choice to divert off the road or make a choice to divert to another road, like at a split or something. It's, it's, it's very handy. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, between the side quests and that, they took a lot of influence from other games, which isn't a bad thing. No, not at all. Because I still stand by. This is the most technically sound Assassin's Creed yet. Yeah. Between the AI, uh, the fight mechanics, um, the climbing mechanics, which are notorious for being terrible. You know, you go, why can't I climb up this wall when it clearly wants me to or something? Mm-hmm. Um, you you still have parts where you obviously climb, but it's because that specific thing, like you're climbing a pyramid. There aren't yeah. a lot of surfaces to grip on, so you have to hit these grooves. But mm-hmm. when you're on the side of a building, you can pretty much go up in any place on it. Now, there right. are some like pillars that are designed to be smooth and you can't climb up them makes sense. I don't expect mm-hmm. to be able to climb that. I'm actually surprised if it lets me. Um, but if you think you can climb something, you probably can. And it's, you don't have to hit this exact spot, uh, which something I like and dislike at the same time is you no longer have to hold uh, a button to sprint. You sprint by default. Mm, but what yeah. that turns into is I'm, <laughs> and I'm 
it took me, you know, 30 hours into the game before I finally broke myself of the habit of doing it because holding the trigger powers up your heavy attack or powers up your attack to be a heavy attack. So mm-hmm. I'll be running and I'll hit the trigger to sprint or, you know, to climb faster or something uh, or go to climb a wall and instead I'll swipe my sword at the wall because <laughs> I'm used to using it to, you know, speed, to run or to uh, parkour or whatever. So I'm swinging my sword around everywhere I shouldn't be. It took you that long to break that habit? Yes. Maybe not 30 (laughs) hours, but probably a good 10 or so. Yeah. Still, Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, the story got a lot better near the end. I was actually enjoying it, and, oh, I wanted to throw out that the game to me appears to be designed where they want you to be level 35 when you beat it. So you don't have to go all the way to 40 to beat it. I believe okay. it is intended for you to beat it at 35. You can probably get away with 34. Um, Good to know. So, have uh, do you think? Are you at a point where you could where you could rank the Assassin's Creed with this game included, or do you want to stew on the game for a while? Do you want to finish with side quests and get to that point where you officially are like, yeah, I'm I'm finished. I'm good with it now. So, overall ranking? Um, like, if you were to put them in, like, you know, a tiered list for yourself of preference. Yeah, I mean, Black Flag, I still stand by that's my favorite. Even um, even now, even after beating this one? Yes. Okay. I think, overall, it was a better experience. Like I, And that's why I said the words I did for or- Assassin's Creed Origins. It is the best technically designed game. Right. You know, because... Black Flag may have some technical issues, some mechanic issues. You know, it still has the dumb AI, but I enjoyed it overall more. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would probably put Origins behind Black Flag. Wow. Immediately. Either second or third. It would be close. Wow. Really? Yes. Okay. Okay. And that's purely because of how the story improved in the last third of it. And how technically sound it is. I can't okay. rank it lower for the technical changes they made. Gotcha. On that note, it's kind of why I'm asking you this. You, you, so, you haven't beat Breath of the Wild yet, have you? No. Have you, how many dungeons have you done? Like, not, not shrines, dungeons, the official, uh, guardians. I beat them all, yeah. Okay. I can get that out of my chest then. I'm asking you this because uh many episodes back when I was playing Breath of the Wild, uh potential spoilers for Breath of the Wild, I guess, maybe. Uh I had told everybody that I I was the, the game was a fucking nine point five. It was fighting. It was barely a nine point five, but it was a nine point five. And I said that I would I'm still waiting. I wanted to one, wait until I beat the game, and then two Take time away from it. I want to distance myself from the game, breathe away from it, not think about it, give it its own fucking time to just roll around in my brain and settle down. Um, I still stand by my 9.5, given how fucking great that game is. It's, it's rightfully earned. And as far as me ranking the Zeldas, I still personally have uh, 
Ocarina of Time is my number one, and then The Link to the Past is my number two. And every time I have to tell people that, I have to say, you got to understand, those two are way the fuck up in the heavens, side by side, if you were looking at them from any angle, as in one and two. It's not like Ocarina of Time is just a fucking 11 out of 11. Oh, and Link to the Past is like a seven. It's just the next one down for me. No, 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 no. Those two fight each other in my mind for which one is better. Where would I put Breath of the Wild in the entirety of the Legend series? I would put it at number three. I would definitely put, I would put it at number three. And here's why. Both Ocarina of Time and Link to the Past have awesome dungeons. The dungeons are a core of those games. Uh, there are many in each of those games. They all have their own feel. They all have their own style. They all have their own special weapon you get and then have to use it both in the area and on a boss, give or take. Uh, the way that you get to those are pretty cool, but the way the, the way you get to the Guardian Dungeons are also cool, so I can't fault them for that. But, and this is where the spoiler territory comes in, so last fucking warning, Breath of the Wild, spoiler <laughs> warning here, okay? The dungeons in Breath of the Wild were serviceable, slightly cool, but serviceable. How to get to them and the quest line up to them, you know, unlocking them or getting them to stop or getting them accessible, had no problem with any of them. Thought they were all cool. They were short. Everything in that game is gonna, is gonna, is gonna feel short when you've put 300 fucking hours into it, you know? No. If I w if I was to uh, get into uh, and I forget all their names, I'm sorry. I can just tell you what they were. But if I was to get into the the fucking volcano guardian, the salamander one, the quest from start to finish to the point where I can actually get in there, uh, let's let's be generous and say maybe it takes you half an hour, maybe an hour if you just beeline it. That's a small number compared to you spending. 300 hours in the game, okay? But that little quest line for all of those, I enjoyed. Uh, I, I had a good time with them. Once I actually got into the dungeons, yes, they all had their own different things you had to do. You know, for the flying one, you had to tilt the thing left or right. For the elephants, you had to fucking move the nozzle up and down to move the water, which really only had to do that a couple times. Yeah. Uh, I, I get that there were different things you had to do in the dungeons, and, and the differences were okay. But they felt the same. The dungeons felt almost the same. Not exactly the same. Not recycled. Uh, I think the interiors, of, of course, the actual physical interiors were all designed differently. But, number one, there were only four. So technically five, if you want to count the Hyrule Castle as a dungeon, but there's only four dungeons in the game. There are, let me think, there were six dungeons in Ocarina of Time, plus the one, two, three before that. So that's nine. That's nine full fleshed out dungeons with multiple tiers, multiple doors, uh, multiple challenges, multiple puzzles, etc., Different colors, different music, etc. I could go on. But you have four in Breath of the Wild. And they're okay. 
But when you're telling me it's an okay, I can't give you a fucking 10 out of 10. <laughs> Especially when they are a core part of the actual story of the game. Um, All the other complaints that majority of people complain about in Breath of the Wild, I don't complain about. I like the weapon durability because it forces people to try different weapons. And you're going to get to a point where the weapon durability isn't going to matter because you're going to know where to go to get what the fuck you need when you need it. It's just not going to be a problem. Uh, I I don't care that there are 900 Korok seeds because I got like three or 400 and I didn't need any more. But for a completionist perspective, that's, that's right up their alley. That's more shit for them to do. Uh... The 120 shrines, all oh, those felt different. I do agree that the music could have been different, or that I like the way they handled the shrines. I get what they were going for, but my major complaint that pulls that game to the third in my Zelda list and brings it from an, a, a solid fucking yes, hell yes, ten out of ten, to the 9.5, closer to a nine really, but a 9.5 is is the dungeons. I hope. And I pray that the next Zelda game, whatever it'll be, whether it's Breath of the Wild 2 or what the fuck ever it is, they take the dungeons back to what they used to be. Because I like that. I mean, you think of any Zelda game. It could be fucking Link to the... It could be Link's Awakening. The uh, the, uh, the Oracle games. They All the dungeons were just so fucking cool. They all had their own feel to them. These... It's more like, yeah, they're different from each other, you know? <laughs> so, that's why I asked you about Assassin's Creed. Like, I, I didn't know if, I didn't know if, you, you know, because you had just beat it or if you wanted to take some time, uh, just to have your opinion on where you put these games. But I, I gotta say, it says something when you say, yeah, I beat this game, still put Black Flag at the top. Hmm. So good to know. Yeah. It's, and I think it's one of those things where I think Assassin's Creed games are fairly easy to rank. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there are necessarily the complexities compared to like Zelda. That's yeah. a long storied franchise. And even though Assassin's Creed is pretty storied itself, you know, there are how many games? 10 in the main series alone. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy to go through them because there are huge differences. Well, I won't say throughout it, but at certain points you have huge jumps. You know, the yeah. first four games, I think, because you have Assassin's Creed 2, then Brotherhood, then Revolu Re Revelations. Or Rev yeah, Revelations, I think it is. Revelations, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, those are all pretty similar. I try and remember if 3 was much different, but then you got into Black Flag, Unity, and what was the last one? I just looked this up the other day because I couldn't remember. Now I can't remember either. The, uh, <laughs> God, uh, the industrial era one or whatever it's called. Uh, anyway, that one. Uh, You're failing, one. Chris. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, and you know, it kind of, I will say I was a little more disappointed in that one. Uh, it had some interesting systems to it, but I just didn't get into it as much. Uh, which is why I don't even remember the name of it anymore. But what would you say is the worst? 
or do you or do you need some time to stew on that? Maybe we'll come back to it another episode. I think I would actually have to go back and take a look at the games and refresh my memory to pick a worse. That's fair. That's fair. Because mm-hmm. they're so many of them are so similar, um, and it could be, I believe three is the one that had the really crappy ending, and that mm-hmm. may be the one point that determines the worst just overall. Um, well, I'm going to counter your argument as far as the best. I don't think Black Flag is the best. I think, uh, and I think the audience will agree. Just send me an email if you don't. I'd love to hear this shit. I think Assassin's Creed uh, for the mobile game platform, iOS, is actually the best. Yeah. I think that's where I'm, the life is. I mean, I'm an Android user, so couldn't tell you. <laughs> But I, I see your attempts at fishing for emails, too. Um. <laughs> Come on, there's got to be some. There's There's got to be some. Uh, I think there was one called Rebellion. I could be wrong. I think there was. that. That's coming out. Yeah, I think that's there was co- one mobile game. They released actual game game and not companion app. And then yeah. there were two they canceled already at some mm-hmm. point in time or another. Because uh, I was totally looking at the Assassin's Creed wiki the other day, and I had no idea they existed until then Um, but yeah the only other thing i'll say about assassin's creed is they did release a patch on i believe it was thursday um it did not impact my gameplay personally but there was a long list of issues they fixed so i was pretty happy to see that i'm all i'm all up for shit hey i it didn't affect me still glad they did it yep thank you appreciate it it's good to know you care and Ubisoft's pretty good about that, too. Um, they actually gave the Assassin's Creed Chronicles thing for free to anybody that bought the season pass for Unity, I believe it was, because they wow. recognized that they made so many mistakes with it. Yeah. Um, it was a That's buggy nice. game and all this other stuff. I didn't personally have many issues with it, but hey, I didn't mind my free games. <laughs> All right. Well, you said uh, you said there were two things this past week. One was uh, Assassin's Creed. What was your other thing? Yep. And the other thing that arguably I spent more time in is working on my Twitch bot RPG game thing. Do tell. Um, so the premise of and what it, I don't know how much I talked about it uh, last week or the week before. Hey, man, um, it's everybody's first episode at some point, you know. Yeah. But so the premise was I. Obviously, we talked about I stream on Twitch, but so do thousands of other people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so really what brings you audience members is having something unique about you, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. a personality, a, you know, skill in a game, you know, speedrunners especially. They can have the personality of a brick, but if they're good at speedrunning, people are going to watch. Oh, um, yeah. this uh, You're hitting home because that's, that's GDQ all around. Yeah, <laughs> you Some see of those a guys. Lot it's like they G- shouldn't be in front of a camera or talk on a microphone, Ooh, no. but can they yeah. play? You can. You'll see a lot of them that are like, "Man, you're fucking." The fact that you have co- that's that's why the commentators on GDQ exist. <laughs> okay, yeah. they're not just there to advertise and to get in the, and to politely ask for donations for incentives. They're also there when the guy is not fucking talking or sucks at it, and they're like, "All right, so uh, <laughs> yeah." And it's also nice that the speedrunner can actually focus because 
when you're streaming, it's one thing to have your audience interaction because it's a more casual environment. But a GDQ, you screw up your run, you may not get invited back or accepted back, however yep. it is. Yep. So you want to make sure your run happens as it should in the amount of time it should so you'll be able to do it again. And so you entertain people and people see this game you may or may not love, but that you've dedicated so much time to. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to represent your game well, because for every person that's approved to play, there are, you know, I would go as far as say hundreds of people yes. that would have taken that slot gladly, probably yep. a dozen for that game itself mm -hmm. that could have been sitting there playing instead of you. Usually the commentators are the people whose runs didn't get submitted. Yep. So, um, one, one last tip on that before we move on to what you were talking about. Uh, the 2018 uh, GDQ schedule is out. I did post a link to it on the End of Time Facebook page. Uh, you can also just check it out yourself. Just type in GDQ 2018 schedule. Gives you a good overview. I think the entire schedule is already lined up. That's fucking awesome. Can't wait. I'm yeah. pretty sure I know what my one week of my two-week vacation is going to be next year. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. moving on. And I haven't looked at the schedule yet. I still need to do that. But uh... Uh, The only thing I saw was a headline. I'm trying to keep it a surprise till around okay. Christmas time. But the only thing that I saw it, well, for the headline was there is no Super Metroid this year, which, wow. okay, okay, that's, that's, that's a big one. But they had a lot of incentive races that I'm looking forward to, a lot of mm -hmm. those gimmick races as well. So, uh... Yeah. That's okay. I'm waiting. I'm always waiting to see because they every single year they have consecutively surprised me with something where I'd be like, hey, man, where's this game? And then I'll look and there's like three new ones and I'm like, oh, fuck, yes. I really, man, I really wish this year, this is, this is another reason why I'm kind of hesitant to look at the list. One of my favorite newer, newer things for the GDQs are the Super Mario Maker relay races if you haven't checked those out those are probably the best things to come out of gdq there now there are a lot of gate there are a lot of uh, uh runners that have their own awesome fucking great personalities uh there are a lot of just general games like when i see Mega Man games i want to watch them but when i tell people about gdq now i guide them to that you look up super mario maker Relay runs. I think there was one in 2015 and 16, I believe. There may be only two of them, but they are fucking great. They have two teams of four players. The race is usually blind, and it's Mario made level. It's, it's creator made levels. So they have to beat the level, and if they die in the level, they have to stand up, give their control to the next person in their team. And around and around it goes. I'm telling you right now, Chris, that is my fucking Super Bowl right there. <laughs> that That is me. You want to talk about these fucking football and baseball and basketball nerds that sit around and watch fucking football and go, yeah, Tom Brady made a touchdown. When I see that shit and I see people barely scraping through this game by just, I mean, by a fucking pixel and they beat a level before another team, I'm like, fuck yes, yes. I love it. If you haven't checked those out, do yourself a favor and check out Super Mario Maker Relay Runs. At I believe one was at ADGQ and one was at GDQ. 
Either way, you you Google it, you'll find me. No, anyway, I'm off. I'm off my soapbox with GDQ. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Go. <laughs> All right. So going back to Twitch, it's you know, so you have to have something special about your channel for people to come. And if you go to pretty much any channel, they have bots in there that do different things. And there's a kind of loyalty point system that a lot of them use where you every five minutes or ten minutes you're in the chat or watching the channel, you get X number of points for whatever system. Um, some of them have it where you can redeem them for actual things. Um, whether that's a song request, you know, it's a hundred points and you get to submit a song request to be played during whatever time frame, um, depending on the channel, or maybe you get, uh, what is it? What was the other one? Um, you can actually use your points in a kind of betting thing for, you know, using them as currency and saying everybody's going to rob a bank and, you know, they put in command and however many participate and they kind of bet on how much they're trying to take or whatever and it costs them that much money. But if they succeed, they get X amount back. Um, or just straight up gambling where you roll a die and if you get greater than, you know, 50 or whatever the threshold is, you double your money. You know, if you get a top, if you get a 99 or 100 on your roll or whatever, you get triple the money or something like that, you know. So, these all these little, I don't even want to call them games because they're really not. So I was like, what if I create an actual game you can play? And what kind of game can you play via Twitch chat? Because first off, it has to be text-based. You know, you're only working right. with IRC-type chat. Uh -huh. um, so what kind of game works best with text? RPGs, right? Um, so I have a RPG game that's playable via uh, Twitch chat in my channel. Um and you can, you have a character, you know, you have a command where you can create it, you know, uh, all the commands start off with exclamation point RPG, and then you can join to create your character. You can do fight to fight a monster. Um, you get drops from the enemies you kill. You, well, you roll for drops, of course. It's not guaranteed. Right. Um, and the original version was based off a D and D and D style where you had AC, and your D20s to hit and all that uh, stats. But I have since converted because while D&D, &D, I love D&D &D overall, it is kind of a difficult system to work with stat-wise because once you get to, like, say, plus 5 AC or whatever it is, you're, you get into extreme enemies, you know, are the only ones that can hurt you. Yeah. or super unlucky rolls or something like that. Right. And as I went through developing the game, trying to balance it out and come up with gear and uh, enemies to fight and whatever, I wasn't happy with it. So I actually changed it over to be closer to traditional RPGs, mm -hmm. particularly like Final Fantasy XI, I find myself taking a lot of influence from. Um, I actually went and looked at a couple of their formulas to help me design mine for like accuracy and evasion. Mm -hmm. um, as you level, you earn skill points, and you can put them in an attribute. Um, you know, whether that's physical attack, physical defense, you know, your hit points. Uh, when you level, you also get a random roll for hit points, plus two, I think I have it set to. Mm -hmm. um, so you can get anywhere from three hit points when you level to eight. So you have that little bit of randomness in there. Um, but you also have skill points you can put in. So if your hit points suck because you keep rolling bad, you can help boost them up. Um, you have, like I said, gear you can buy. 
Um, there are shop commands that actually let you buy gear like you're at an item shop, you know, in the game. Uh, and those are just things I've, you know, currently implemented. Uh, mm-hmm. I have enemies up to level 10 right now. Uh, and equipment to support up to level 10. Uh, I have the, I have, so a couple of weeks ago, I was at the level 5 threshold and I had 12 enemies in the game total. I have since increased the threshold to 10, but I have enough enemies created to support up to at least level 100. Let's, um, um, let's scale this back even further. Yeah. So to give an example for people that haven't went to the website, or haven't went to the Twitch channel and seen, mm-hmm. what are we talking, this is a game you can see on, no, you said it's a text-based, correct? Yes. Okay, so it's all text-based. Mm-hmm. Um, is the story generated by you? Is it automatically generated? Are the quests automatically generated? So, it's not a true RPG yet. Mm-hmm. This is just the, you know, this isn't even an alpha version. I call it kind of the alpha, but it's really not even to what I call an alpha yet. Right. Um, all you can, what you currently can do is fight monsters and level and buy and equip armor and weapons and stuff. Um, I have a list of like 30 features I'm working on <laughs> implementing. Um, and I haven't even touched the story yet because I want the underlying system to be there. I right. want the mechanics to be fleshed out before I even worry about that. Um, I do have thoughts already about, you know, a quest line or a mission line or both. You know, you have the main missions and then you get into boss fights, raid bosses where everybody in chat can participate. You know, this big long list of things I haven't even begun to implement because I'm still just trying to get the enemies out and the equipment in place. Um, How involved would a Twitch viewer have to be in this to play the game? What I mean is, are you? do you think you're going to run into the problem where people are going to be coming in just to play that game, or is it even that, even, is it even like that? You know, if, I hope I have that problem. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, I mean, at the end of the day, there could be less things to worry about. But. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely okay with that. But so, the way it works is there are timers that limit how often you can do things, mm-hmm. which is pretty typical for any kind of game, you know, where you're fighting things. You go out to the world, you are trying to farm enemies, you have to heal. So I have, you know, a formula that determines how long you have to wait to heal um, after a fight. And the minimum time you have to wait is a minute, which isn't mm-hmm. a long time when you think about it. Um, yeah. And the maximum for the regular fight, the maximum is five. But I have what I call horde fights where you can fight up to five enemies uh, in one go has a maximum of 10. Yeah. So if you're able to kill three enemies, it then becomes worth your time to do the horde fights instead. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did have the horde fights set to cap at 99, but before I implemented the level up to 10 mobs, or I guess I should say six through 10 mobs at level, I was like level seven already from all my kills. And I did 71 kills on the horde fight before they'd managed to take me down. Because wow. I was one-shotting them all. Um, so I toned it back because I earned, you know, 710 experience uh, from that one command. Right. So I dialed it back a bit, adjusted the minimum and maximums. Uh, you now gain more per fight minimum. Um, because if you fight something the same level as you or below, 
and when you're guaranteed to get 20 experience and every level they are above you, you get an additional 10, I believe it is, maybe 20. Um, I'd have to go back and check if I where I updated in the formula. Um, so early on, it's pretty easy to level. As it goes up, you have to rely more on the horde fights, you know, fighting multiple enemies at once to be able to uh, level your character. And one of the things I have on my near-to-do list is actually potentially crafting. So you can start crafting stuff, and with crafting comes gathering. So that will give you an alternate way to level. Um, I haven't decided if it's on its own timer or not yet or anything like that, but you'll have experience for your crafting skills, experience for your gathering skills, and that will also work towards your player level. Um, right. So I'm trying to give a lot of variety in how you can play the game, because like I mentioned on 11, I was level 99 cooking before I had a 75 white mage, which right. <laughs> that shows that's the type of gamer I am. I like crafting in games. And that's the way, that's the way those games are. They're catered to, it's, it's no different than having a first person shooter game where somebody wants to play just a support class. They could give two shits and a fuck about their DPS. They are wanting, no, when you need me in that fight, I'm getting my job done. I am the, I will be the best support class out there. Same way in MMOs. Somebody wants to be a crafter. They want to be the best fucking alchemist in Final Fantasy 14. There you go. <laughs> that's yeah. how they want to play. So I want to add that variety mainly for my own, you know, interest too, because it's kind of funny how, you know, I've been working on developing this game, but I already enjoy playing it. You know, I will yeah. spend time. I'm supposed to be sitting there developing it. I'll just and do my play fights. your own game. <laughs> yeah. So it's got that grind feel to it already where I want to keep going. It's like, all right, I have to wait five minutes or I currently for a horde fight, it takes me four minutes on average to heal. So I'm like, all right, I'll wait four minutes and then, oh, it's time put in the command to do the next fight. Uh, but I will say the hardest part about this is balance. Um, yeah. Like I, I was saying, I have, you know, all these enemies going up to level 100. I actually have 183 enemies, or 185 enemies ready for the game. I only have like 20 implemented because mm. I have to balance every yeah. enemy before I put it in. Yeah. appropriate for the level based on stats and what you can potentially put in the stats into gear and then into other features. I haven't even implemented like killer stats, which come into play similar to uh, Final Fantasy XI has traits like lizard killer for beast mass or whatever. So against lizards you do more damage. Um, so I'm going to implement this system where as you kill a type of enemy, you put, you do more damage against them. So yeah. after killing, you know, 10 lizards, you do more damage to lizards from then on. Um, you get killed by a lizard, it can knock your tier down if you get killed by enough. So it's something you have to actively manage and keep up, but it's a semi-permanent boost to damage. Right. Um, and then I have to balance around that, you know, once it's implemented uh, or not, and just have that where you do this, okay, fine, you're low overpowered. Um, yeah. The orc's going to murder you next time you see it, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I have abilities I want to implement to where, you know, like if you're a sword and board uh, paladin type warrior, you know, tank, you get an ability that for X number of turns you have more defense or something. Yeah. Um, if you're a knife wielder, you get an increased boost to speed for X amount of time, which I have a system in place that when you compare speed, you get an extra attack every X number of turns. 
or maybe the enemy does because they're so much faster than you. So that speed is a huge factor uh, in the game because that determines, you know, if the enemy can kill you in 10 turns, but you need 15 turns to kill them, if you can double attack, I think it's like at that point every three rounds, get an extra attack in, you might win. Yeah. You know, and not depend on a crit or a, uh, them missing you or something like that. You just go, are so much faster that you help offset that DPS. And man, is balancing that hard. I bet. But you're muscling through it, though. Yeah, and I'm doing it in C sharp, um, learning as I go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I have a little. Go ahead. I have a little programming experience as far as C goes, but most of my experience with JavaScript and other web-based programming. Um, but going to C sharp, so many things are different. It's it's funny. I think I was talking today about arrays, and I don't know how much you know about programming, but in JavaScript, arrays are pretty simple. It's just a group of uh, of values, you know. Uh, Think of a CSV file for Excel. It's like multiple columns and just whatever in those columns are in those columns. Right, and you just right. access them, you know, 0, 1, 2, 3, whatever number they are in position, you reference them. Mm-hmm. Arrays in C Sharp are totally different things. I don't even use arrays in my program. I use data tables instead or something, you know, like that. Because uh, it's so much less complex. It's It's been a certain uh, uh, really... Uh, in-depth learning experience, so to speak. Well, Um, I'm sure you'll keep at it, and I'm sure it'll be awesome. And I'm sure that when you're playing Destiny 7, people will not care two shits about Destiny they'll be in this RPG. (laughs) So So that's uh, for anybody interested that haven't, haven't had a chance to, uh, or you're just new to the podcast in general. Hey, welcome. Uh, you can check out, uh, Chris's Twitch channel. You can find him at, uh, twitch.tv slash techriz. That's T-E-H-K-R-I-Z-Z. Um, go laugh at him when he dies a lot. That's always what people love to do, right? <laughs> that's, that's usually what people like to do. Yeah. Um, I am a Twitch affiliate. Um, so I'm not at the, you know, partner level like traditional people with the subscriber button are but they released this affiliate program where anyone who can maintain over 10 viewers for x number of days gets affiliate so um, i do have the sub button now i have the ability to do one emote i don't have it yet um i haven't done anything for it i should say uh but you know our cousin is my only sub right now (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> he came in he came in like two years ago when i first started streaming or shortly after and he said when you get a sub button i'll be your first sub so when they released the affiliate program i uh i think i posted on his facebook wall i said hey i've got the sub button does your, your offer still stand and sure enough he popped in and subbed to me and he's been subbed for five months now i'll be damned yeah yeah, you should get more than that. You guys should check them out. It's cool stuff. If you like Twitch stuff, give them a listen. Give them a look. Uh, you think that's it for your week? Got anything else? Nope, that's all. Nope, didn't go nope. see fucking Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> God damn it. 
I guess I'll lead my week off with that one. I got I got a few things to talk about in general, but um, I definitely will make this one spoiler free because you haven't seen it and you never know when your audience hasn't seen it. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it very very much. I had a good time with it. Um, it is not spoiling the movie at all by telling you that Hela, the quote unquote goddess of death, is the antagonist of this movie, and. No joke, as I was watching the movie, whenever she made her first appearance, when she came on the screen, I was thinking to myself at that point, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I am, how am I feeling? Am I enjoying this movie? I am enjoying this movie a lot. I'm having a damn good time with it. Good time. Uh, there, of course, the fucking reviews came out and there was positives and negatives. Uh, I'm on the positive side. I had a damn good time with this movie. Uh, all the comedy clicked for me. The, I, I told my wife this. The pacing of this movie worked very well for me. Um, did a really good job of having low points and high points and then having really high points. Had a lot of callback references. Uh, the story the story was not... It wasn't just serviceable. It was very well done. The fact that this antagonist... not And not only just the, protagonist, the antagonist... But a few other characters were brought into this movie out of the fucking blue, told story about, had a good story wrapped around, and then were either done or moving on to the next movie. And it's like it was all there in that chunk. It all fit and made sense. Uh, you didn't feel like you were like, oh, well, yeah, why should I care? They give you reasons to care. They give you reasons why things are happening. And it all fit. It all worked really good for me. Uh, I gave it a Game Pro Guy rating of 4.0, uh, because I think I gave, I, f I think Civil War may have been my 5.0 of the series so far, I forget. Uh, I only gave it a 4.0 because it did have a, it did have a couple really low parts in it, not low as in quality, but like downtime, I guess you'd say. It had a couple points where I was like, eh, all right, I'm just not feeling this. Let's get back to the good shit. But I think in a movie that, the, especially this one, the fact that that, actually, that mindset paid off is okay, that they had low points. I was telling myself, you know, all right, this is going to be another two or three minutes. Let me get to the good shit. And then when, they, when it moved on, it was good shit. So it paid off. Very How good. many How uh, Thor movies are there now? There are specifically just Thor movies. There are three. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. How do you how do you rank them? I I mean I would probably put them exactly in the order they are in, but reversed. So okay. I'd put Thor Ragnarok and then Thor the Dark the Dark Side Chronicles. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> the name of the, the second one I'd put in the yeah. second place. And the first one. Okay. Uh, and there are reasons. Uh, I actually liked the... I didn't like his character all the way through, but I kind of liked the antagonist of the second one. Uh, I didn't like all the romance bullshit that they had to force into the first Thor movie. So, I don't know. It, the, the, Thor was just kind of okay for me. Thor 2 had more potential. I liked what they were going for. It entertained me a little more. But, eh, 
The third one, holy shit. They all need to be like this. Um, it's good stuff, man. It's got me more. It's got, I can't wait. I just can't fucking wait for Infinity War next year. Um, and to, to our audience, if you're one of the people on the outside that's like, I don't give a fuck about Marvel movies, that's okay. You don't have to. If you don't like them, I don't care. <laughs> I'm still going to like them. <laughs> Believe me, I watch, there are many reviews and uh, critics that I watch regularly through YouTube, and I hear a lot of genuine, actual criticisms over a lot of these movies. I know I, I get that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is getting fatigued for some people, I guess, but it's not for me. I can't fucking wait. I'm excited. Um, and I had a good time, man, all the way around. The Black Panther's coming out soon. I think that's February of next year, and then I think the middle part of next year is Infinity War. Can't wait for both of those. Good stuff. Yeah, I like what I've seen about the Marvel movies. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of them, but I really like what they're doing with the movies in general, with all the connections they have, and yes. how you know they're taking okay, this movie is standalone. But then you have was Avengers the first one that actually tied all the movies together. Tied uh, mostly all of them I, I won't say yes. all, yeah, but most yes. of them. Yeah, so that was pretty cool to see. And then even after that movie, you have the other movies, I believe, and some of them where it takes place after the Avengers. I believe Captain America, one of the movies is before that, and then the other one's after or something like that. Yep, yep. So that's pretty awesome to see. Um, they're handling uh, it really well with getting tying the Marvel Universe movie-verse all together. And I've said this now... And see, this is another, this is another aspect. We're probably going to go off on a tangent here, but that's okay. It's our fucking podcast, right, Chris? We can do what the fuck we want. Yep. Uh, I, I am not the world's largest Marvel fan. Not saying I don't like them. I'm saying that I'm not a, like, Marvel expert. You know, I didn't read four different runs of X-Men. I don't know all the names of all the arcs. I don't know all the tertiary characters out there etc you get what i'm saying if if chris was to ask me the inner workings of chrono trigger we could have a chrono trigger talk for probably a good hour and a half two hours you ask me about marvel there's going to come to a point where you're going to be like all right well you didn't read this you don't know about this you're vaguely <laughs> from me it's i'm just not that great at it but i do love comics and i do love the marvel comics and i do love x-men etc etc uh, there are a couple, uh, actually there's one now, but there's a couple YouTube channels that I will give a direct shout out to because they have enhanced my comic knowledge. Uh, one is Variant Comics. Uh, mainly I twig to him because he has a lot of history of. Uh, the big one that I watch all the time is Comic Pop. Now this is where I've gotten most of my later year comic knowledge from. Uh, comic Pop is great because they have a section called back issues and I think they're up to God, a hundred and something episodes now. I hope I'm, I hope I'm right without looking it up, but every episode of back issues is close to an hour long and they go through an entire arc of a, of a comic series. They'll look at the entire Phoenix saga and they basically talk. It's, it's one guy talking to two guys that don't regularly read comics and he's trying to explain a story to them. So it would be like me and you 
explaining a story to like a coworker of yours that doesn't necessarily play games and we're trying to explain a story to him, you know, not getting finite into minutia, but giving enough, enough, enough surface level understanding for them to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. So that's why Sephiroth did that. Okay. That's cool. Um, I've watched every back issues, some of them multiple times. And I've, I've, I've garnered more knowledge over time. Uh, to the point to where when I watch these Marvel Cinematic movies, I can tell differences. Not to the level of a Marvel expert, not at all. But I can see where, okay, in Ultron, this is this is the majority of things that they did differently. These are the majority of things that they did quote-unquote wrong. Uh, and these are the things that were not in the comics that they added, but they did great. I, I get that the comics, the MCU is not the same as the comics. I get that. Trust me, I understand that. I've seen Double Dragon. I've seen the movie. I know, okay? <laughs> you don't have to fucking preach to me that I, I am the Marvel expert and I don't like Thor Ragnarok because this is what they did wrong for Planet Hulk and I think it's a travesty and the Marvel Cinematic Universe needs to really burn to the ground. I get your argument, friend. But what I'm saying is, as somebody with a... 6 out of 10 knowledge level of the Marvel Universe with a 6 out of 10 understanding of the Avengers and all the characters in Avengers. I watch these movies and I am fucking entertained. I I enjoy them. They are entertaining. Uh, I have a good time with them. I enjoy the storyline. I enjoy the action. I enjoy the comedy. I enjoy all the tie-ins. I enjoy all the interlacing and interweaving of all the stories. Have a damn good time. The reason why I'm saying this, and I know Chris will agree, we do not have this in the gaming world today. We do not. We do not have the MCU equivalent of movies for video games. Not a fucking one has come across. Silent Hill came pretty close to being a great video game movie. And Mortal Kombat, while not directly tying into all the shit correctly, <laughs> still was an entertaining video game movie. Yep. But we do not have this renaissance for the gaming industry. And I hate that. We're going to have an episode in the future. It's coming. Guys and gals, don't worry. And I'm going to fucking blow my top about this subject. Stay tuned, because it's coming. But one of the things that I will repeat again, I don't give a fuck how many times I repeat it in my own podcast, I wait for the day, I cannot fucking wait for the goddamn day where the Hollywood industry has a company or two or however many it takes, and we have the MCU equivalent, but it's for video games. I don't care what franchise it is, I would I would love for it to be a franchise that I know, you know, I, I would... If, if they do a Final Fantasy series, I guess, there's many reasons why they can't, but just saying, I would hope that it would be something like that. But we don't have it yet. But if you are a comic fan to some degree, and hell, even if you're not, you don't have to be a fucking comic fan. These movies are gen engineered to entertain. And they do them in varying degrees of good to great to excellent. So, I have a good time with them. You should do your homework, Chris. You should get up on this shit and watch all these movies, man. I'll have to go through Netflix and see what movies are on there just so I have something to talk about, I guess. Because <laughs> I know uh, Netflix even, has a lot of them. So. They even have a chronology of what all 
I mean, if you wanted to know like a timeline order of what takes place. I actually did that when I was watching Arrow and The Shield Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. parts of The Flash. I started that one as well because Mm -hmm. they were getting, I knew they would cross. Um, So I actually had a web, I probably still have it bookmarked of the Netflix slash movie chronology of okay this is going from and this included the Avengers and Thor and everything else you know Captain America because parts of them come into play in the shield um, and in Arrow when it crosses over with Flash and then I don't remember how much if it actually directly impacted with shield but it impacted with something else so it's you know part of the same timeline or whatever um but yeah, that was, and it wasn't just, you know, what comes first as far as movies and series. It was, okay, these three episodes of Arrow, you should watch and then go watch these two episodes of Flash and then go back to Arrow. <laughs> nice. It's one of those. So I was bouncing back and forth. Um, and it's not some, it's not as bad as, you know, like three episodes, at least not at the beginning. It gets pretty yeah. back and forth at one point. Yeah. Um, which is kind of when I stopped watching it, but it was, you know, back and forth. It's interesting watching two different shows impacting each other like that. Yeah. Uh, part of the same timeline. I don't want to promise anything to the audience that we can't follow through, but I was talking to a a, a, a past guest of ours. Uh, if y'all remember, Mike was on here with us. Uh, we may have him back on for a future episode, and he may be able to tell some more about these series because he apparently is all up in them. <laughs> uh, but just a quick take, just for a quick sneak peek into the mind of Chris, what did you think about these series as far as what you watched? Like, just a just a hot take. If you enjoyed them, not enjoyed them, what, you, what your thoughts were on them? Um, I enjoyed The Shield. Uh, that one I actually kind of binge-watched. Um, and I kind of maybe possibly did myself a disservice by watching the whole thing like I did because it does tie into, you know, Thor, it ties into the Avengers, it ties into Captain America. So there are things in the series that will actually spoil the end of movies um, or things that happen in the movies. So if you're not prepared for that, then you, you know, want to watch them in order. Uh, And I haven't watched all the movies. So that was my only gripe, I would say, but it wasn't enough for me to stop. (laughs) Yeah. Because I already knew some of the plots from either... uh, it being, you know, an already known story, like the second uh, Avengers movie, I believe it is. Was that the Ultron one? Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of a known story, at least to me, because of stuff I've read. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, S.H.I.E.L.D. picks up, I believe, after Ultron, um, as far as the beginning of the series, I think. Uh, I so think... it's like, oh, this happened... Oh, yeah. right. That was because of the Ultron thing. Um, yeah. The, I think pretty much the entire cast outside of who I'd already seen in Avengers and whatever else, you know, like the agent, um, they were all new people. So it was a kind of introduction to some new actors and stuff who did a really good job uh, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I had one guy where I watched this and then I watched a different series completely unrelated and I was like, oh, hey, that's that guy that was in The Shield. Um, <laughs> which doesn't happen often for me because I'm not a person that remembers actors 
Um, I know the big ones, you know, Brad Pitt, because who doesn't at this point? Because everybody talks about them, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like them. Uh, but when it comes to, oh, yeah, did you watch this movie? I don't know. And you they're like, this? it had X person in it. Well, okay, <laughs> I don't know who that is. You know, let I me look half, up a picture of them. I am halfway between that level of the person you're talking about and your level. Because I have seen a lot of movies and, you know, I guess a few TV shows, but mainly movies. And I am so fucking bad with names. It's hit or miss for me usually. But I'll be in a movie and I'll see somebody come across the screen and I'll look at, I'll look at my wife and I'll be like, hey, that's the guy that played in Jurassic World. She'll just look at me. I'll be like, oh, that's <laughs> the guy that played in, uh, uh, There'll Be Blood. Or, which, <laughs> the point is, I, I, some, I know that that's Daniel Day Lewis, but sometimes I just will forget the name or I'll just be so excited that I recognize the person. I'm like, that's, that's the dude from Fight Club. It's like, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I even do with movie titles because oh, yeah? back as a kid, I didn't look the name of movies. I just watched whatever was on. I may mm-hmm. catch it after the first five minutes. I never see a intro car, uh, title card. Mm-hmm. You know, with the name of the movie, and I'm not going to look at the TV guide to see what it is if I'm just sitting there watching the movie. Right. Uh, so it's like, yeah, have you, did you see this movie? It's like, I don't know, maybe. Um, unless I actually went out of my way to watch it, like at a theater or on DVD or something or on Netflix, you know, just watching straight up cable. Um, and this is mainly in, you know, my child and teenage years. Uh, where I didn't control the TV in the living room, you know, so I'd go and watch a movie and then I'd walk out when I got bored with it or whatever. Um, it, it's got me curious. Do you, do you enjoy movies? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I just, I don't care about the title of it. I don't care about who's in it. I just want to watch the movie and that's it. I'm going to have to make a, probably like a, maybe like a top 15, top 20 list of movies over the past five years that I, you damn well better have watched. Oh, God. You're going to be so disappointed if you do that. Okay. I don't know if you want to set yourself up for that. (laughs) Let me tell you right now. This is how how upset I've been in the past. I have had people that are my age group, and I don't know if you've seen this movie before or not. It may not have a relevance to you, but I've had people my age group that have never seen Goonies before to the point to where I ask them, and they don't even know what the fuck movie I'm talking (laughs) about. The Goonies is a fucking sentimental movie of an 80s kid. It's yeah, just, I've it's, seen it's, it. It's a fucking must-see. It's it's like a Christmas movie that you just have to have seen. You know, you have to see Home Alone 2, or you have to see fucking Goonies. It's, yeah. a, it's a must. And I'll tell um, you, that's probably one of the movies I didn't know the name of most of my... I don't know how old it is, but... Yeah. I know I watched it more than once. I probably didn't yeah. know the name of it until a few years ago. Um, <laughs> I but that. I knew I the movie. That. I enjoyed the movie. I didn't care yeah. what the title was. Yeah, but I just so many good movies that have come over the past few years that come to mind, like Get Out and even Old as Dread. I mean, there's just, yeah, you, I'm going to get you a list. I'm going to put you to work because <laughs> we got to be able to talk about this shit on this podcast. You, I can't be like, no, I didn't see this movie. I'm like, God, come on, man. All right, so going back to the series, um, Arrow has too many flashbacks in the sense that it goes back too many times. I wouldn't mind. So, okay, let me put it this way. I enjoy, well, (laughs) 
I was going to say I enjoy both the present and the flashbacks, but I think I actually enjoy the flashbacks more mm-hmm. because they tend to be more action-oriented and stuff and more progression. Okay. But the main present-day storyline was just so much build-up and build-up and build-up to nothing. Um, it was very slow-moving. So it got to the point where I was like, oh, flashback. But the issue with the flashbacks is even though that was more action and whatnot, they would repeat things or do only a small portion of it or something, mm. and it would just feel so drawn out instead of going, okay, show me all the time on the island. I get that certain things play into character development. This is why this is happening now because this happened back on the island. But you could take a little bit more, give me a little bit more of the past flashback stuff at once. Right. You know, make, an, make a whole episode that has flashback instead right. of, 20 minutes present, five minutes flashback. I think they're hour mm-hmm. episodes, so double that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's really my big issue with Arrow. Um, Flash I didn't watch a whole lot of. I just wasn't feeling it. I don't... I'm trying to think of what it was in particular, but I felt it was also slow moving. And that's kind of where I think I prefer movies in a lot of cases over... TV series because I know mm-hmm. in the end of three hours something is going to happen or two oh, yeah. hours however long the movie is oh, a TV yeah. show you may go eight episodes that are an hour long and have nothing happen and I cannot stand that you know I, I'll give uh, this is another credit to Thor Ragnarok the runtime for that movie is approximately two hours and ten minutes and I tell you right now aside from the couple little low points and when I'm saying low points don't don't take this as like there's like 20 minutes of shit happening. I mean, there's a couple low points in the movie, like maybe two minutes, maybe a minute and a half, two minutes. But that movie does not trudge, and you get your fill. So not only does the movie not go slow where you're like, oh, come on, I was, God, I'm on the third time, I thought the movie was going to end, come on, nothing like that. And when you're done with the movie... Everything is tied up in a bow. So you're not like, oh man, I really, really want to like a, you're always going to want to see more of Hulk smashing. You're always (laughs) going to see more of whatever character doing whatever cool thing that you fucking enjoy. But as far as the movie as a whole goes, it, it snaps right up. It's all good. Good. So yeah, I recommend it. Check it out. You'll have a good time with it. I recommend you check them all out, period. But, uh, in your own time. In your own time. The other, uh, another piece of thing for me for this past week. Oh, man. I guess I'll go ahead and roll into it now. I'm getting my fucking gloves out. Spoiler, potential spoiler warning. So, I mean, I might as well, might as well say spoiler warnings for near automata. Uh, in the first, first off. I do not see a definitive thing yet, and I'm sure somebody can link it. I love for you two to tell me where to find it, but it's either near automata or near automata. I'm a fucking country dude, and I've got a habit of just calling it automata because I'm lazy. I don't know. And I can't just call it near because there are two nears, even though there shouldn't be. That's another topic. <laughs> so, here we go. Last episode, on the last episode of In the Time Podcast, Frieza was it? <laughs> um, I had said that I had just started playing Near Automata, 
I forget everything I said about it. Uh, I think I was trying to give off the air that, hey, I just started it. I don't have a huge grasp opinion of it. I'm enjoying what's going on so far. Sounds about right. I, oh man, I'm fairly shooting myself in the foot by even talking about this fucking game like this. But (laughs) I'm going to fucking do it anyway. Because it's I still have points. I quit playing the game. Wow. Just straight there, up quit. There are, at least from what my research has shown me, and there may be more, who knows, but there are five separate scenarios in this game. You beat scenario A, or I th- there's, a, there's a word they use, it's like track A, or whatever. You beat you beat ending A, it takes you to scenario B. You beat ending B, it takes you to scenario C. And these are all from what I'm gathering, they're it's more like you play you play the entirety of A and then when you play B, it's like playing the Resident Evil 2. You ever play Resident Evil 2? Yeah. Alright, well you know how it's you play as Leon, and then when you play as Claire, you play the same fucking game, but from her perspective, so you find out what she was doing in this time. Right. Yeah, yeah. etc. That's what this is. Um I will tell everyone now before it sits because I know half of them have guns cocked and pitchforks ready. I made it probably either two thirds or maybe even halfway through scenario B. Stop playing the game. So Already, I can hear fucking chainsaws revving. You didn't make it to C, and C was the best one. Fuck you, we'll get to that. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to that fucking shitty argument of yours. I'm sorry I'm being rude. Let me get to the points I want to make. I am having a hard time trying to tell people and trying to come to my own conclusion of the pluses that I pulled away from this game. Uh, I believe it was an easy, an easy allies, uh, comment was made a couple days ago, and I wholeheartedly agree. Because I have played Dark Souls in my life, Dark Souls is a fucking blessing and a fucking curse. Because if the combat does not reward me, does not engage and reward me the same way as Dark Souls, it kinda gets under my rug. And I hate that. I'm, I'm literally trying to think of other games. I'm trying to wrap my arguments around other games than Bloodborne and Dark Souls because those are the fucking epitomes for me. The combat in Near Automata is okay. And here's why it's okay for me. Not great and not horrible. One, it's a platinum game, guys. If, if you're a fan of platinum games, this is going to be right up your alley because the style, the flair, all that is there. It was starting to kick my butt at certain points. However, I soon learned without even looking up how to do it, how to school the leveling system in this game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can find areas that have infinitely generating enemies that are well above your pay grade. And if you're a decent skilled person or there are so many ways to school this system. Because you can just fucking level yourself up like mad. It takes you a while. Of course it takes you a while to grind. But you can you can out-level yourself in no time. There are upgrades which require items that you have to go around and farm. All you got to do is go get the fucking items and bring them back. There's nothing that's really landlocked or story-locked or plot-locked that I found. Because I got most of my upgrades after a lot of running around. 
once I started getting into semi god mode with my characters, the difficulty the difficulty started to fluff off. Period. That's neither here nor there because I am not trying to say that I'm a fucking god at games and I'm just the best of the best and I just expert everything. No, what I'm saying is it it, it quick once I learned how to upgrade my pods, once I learned how to upgrade my uh, weapons, once I learned where the ingredients are to do all this shit, and then once I learned where to farm for money really easy, and once I learned where to farm experience, it only took a handful of levels. For me to start getting to a point where it was button mash. It got to a point where I was holding one button now to let my pod do do its fucking business. Because uh, Chris hasn't played the game. A pod is like a, it's a thing that floats around with you. It's like an option. It floats around with you. You hold the button down or and it shoots out bullets in addition to what damage you're doing. It's an extra damage thing. Yeah, it's um, a companion of sorts. Exactly. My pod was already doing a fuck ton of extra damage, and my combos were quickly, even when I felt overwhelmed at times, it was mash, 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 dodge, mash, 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 dodge, mash, 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 dodge, mash, 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 dodge, heal if I need to, heal, heal, mash, mash, etc., etc., etc. The enemy designs were okay. There were some times where they were really cool, but most of the time you're fighting this... I really don't want to try to come across like I'm shitting on this game because here's the thing. I did not I f- I didn't hard quit the game. I just lost interest. Okay? When I uh and this is where I'm going to get to here in a second for my next topic. When I stopped playing Valkyria Chronicles, for those that remember I I did play that about 3 or 4 episodes back. I said, hey, I've got a lot of shit on my plate right now. It's not grabbing my attention, but I do see where it is very good. I do see that there's potential. I'm going to come back to Valkyria Chronicles one day. This game, I've I've already done the research, folks. I've already been on in forums discussing, trying to wrap my brain around some things. I've watched reviews. I've watched wholehearted, like, guys, this game is perfection out of ten for me. I'm not getting what people are getting. And I'm going to come back to that topic as well in a minute. The story. This is this is the big point of my cold-hearted contention, apparently, with this game. The story doesn't fucking matter to me. Because they're fucking androids. You can't convey emotion and soul stuff in real world, me, you, Chris, your family, friends. You can't put that real heart into something. And then tell me, oh yeah, by the way, it's a robot. So it doesn't matter. I have heard that down the road, like, a, a, here's, a, here's, a, here's a real early, early no-no for me. Early in the fucking game, your characters basically die. Guess what? They get revived. They get, they get their essences transferred to a new body. What? You just completely fucking defeated the purpose for me. Why would I care if you blow up? You are now a character. You are a thing in a video game that has a life counter. Once you die, you're just going to respawn. I'm going to press X to continue. <laughs> you know? I have heard that, yes, further down the line, that comes to light that that's not necessarily the case. At that point, I don't care. This is another point for me, is that 
I get that you're playing scenario A and scenario B adds more life to it. Area C or scenario C is a different style of game but has other story as well. And all this story ties to this big narrative and has this big thing it tries to push to you. If you are losing my attention in the story and not ha- my care isn't there within the first five something hours, guys, telling me to keep playing the game to get it is not working. I mean, I'm sorry, it's not. I don't know what to tell you. Um, the cool parts of the game for me was really one. It was really one. Even the bosses. Oh, man, don't even get me started on the bosses. The bosses had cool concepts. I get why they were designed. But the only cool, cool boss for me, and especially the intro was the, I don't remember his name, but the gigantic fucking boss you find in the ocean, and he is introduced by rising up out of the ocean and chewing or uh, biting a fucking battleship in half. Thought that was a cool guy. I had a good time with that fight, and I loved his introduction. I loved the size and scale. But, uh, you know, you got two fucking shirtless guys that are, they have this megalomania mentality, and... You know, they want to... I got the story. I know Megalomaniac was not the idea what they were getting across. I want you to understand, audience and Chris, I got the story that I was that was posed to me so far. I just didn't care. Now, that is partially on me because just because Chris thinks that X game has the greatest story in the world does not mean I have to. His enjoyment is different from my enjoyment. My enjoyment is different from his enjoyment. So, taking that aside, taking that out of the equation, you know, your personal preference, for me also, on top of it, the game didn't give me enough reason to care. The things that it tried to do, I didn't care about. A prime example of what I mean by this, I treat this in the same lines as Mass Effect 2. Whenever... I was pissed off about the ammunition setting, the ammunition bullshit in Mass Effect 2, and was then directed to a little, uh, a little, uh, text thing, like a story piece in the game, in game that was written to explain why they use ammo now. I said, that's fine that they explained it, but just because they explained it does not mean I care. Does not mean I have to care. Same thing in this story. I get the robotic trying to be lifelike and the world has is gone is devoid of life so now robots are trying to be lifelike and etc i get what they were trying to say i didn't care and the more they tried to hammer these and these these analogies home and these this side story shit home and the more they try to make you to be this it tried to be this real deep and real thinker type of game and i just didn't care just didn't care that's okay it's a fucking platinum game right when the when the story flops off you just go to the combat nope the combat wasn't there for me either it was good it was it was enjoyable but once you start gaming that combat it's done it's fucking over it's over yes you can you can i know that you can you can game the dark souls combat too that's that's not the point this is my first playthrough of this of this game so um, final word on this game, man. I, this thing has been touted to me as a 10 out of 10. It's been a must play. It's been up there. Uh, uh, oh, the, the, the near thing. I did my homework 
As far as, here's another thing for people to get their fucking pitchforks about. I watched an entire playthrough of Nier twice. And I watched a thorough plot analysis, which I really enjoyed. It went, it was three parts. Uh, oh, I want to shout him out big time. Uh, Klimps. For anybody who's uh, checked the Klimps' YouTube channel out. Small, very few videos, but he does do a retrospective on the entire Nier game in three large chunks. And he thoroughly goes through the story and explains it. So I get the story of Nier. Hey, guess what? Didn't fucking matter. It didn't matter. There were a couple callbacks, a couple little subtle references, but this is a standalone game. So that may be a plus for anybody wanting to play this game. It's standalone. You, you don't have to know shit. You can enjoy it as it is. It is, it is, people are loving this game or did love this game when it, when it came out. It's supposed to be so good. The story's supposed to be so good. The graphics, the graphics are good at points, but the graphics are hit or miss too because there's terrain that is just very bland and very samey at some points. And then there are some points where it just blows your fucking mind. So it's hit or miss. The sound. Yeah. There are a couple music tracks. Every music piece fit its area. I'll give you that. But there are only a couple music tracks that really stuck in my head as like, okay, I could hear that differently. I do not want to buy the Nier Automata soundtrack. Sorry. There are only a couple tracks from Nier that I really, really would listen to and have downloaded separately. But the whole entire thing as a whole, I'm sorry. This is not, this is not the Chrono Trigger soundtrack. It's just not. Sorry. Um, you know, I, I would say I encourage anybody that hasn't played this game, go try it out. Don't, don't never hear what me or Chris say negatively about a game and shut it down. Because I may not like this game. Chris may go buy this thing online and then two weeks from now be like, man, this shit fucking rocked my balls straight off my body. That's great. That's the thing about being a person and playing games. It's all subjective. But me, again, I made it two-thirds, maybe even halfway through the second scenario and just was like, eh, I just don't care. It was a slow one. It wasn't like, oh, this thing happened, I don't care. It was more like, man, I'm getting probably about a two, two or three hours span time of, of playthrough. I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm not really caring. I need to see something to keep me going. I just need it. Yeah. All right, well, I'm good. You know, I think I will, you know, eventually give it a try, but based on what you're saying, I don't know that I'll spend 60 bucks on it. Uh, I did find, I think I talked about it last episode. Yeah, you talked I, about you got it for like keys. 35 or something like yeah, that. Somewhere around yeah. 35. Yeah. Uh, now, this is a question before I move on to my last topic. Let me ask you, Chris. Yeah. When is the last time that you spent money, let's say full retail price, even if you got it on sale, but full retail price for a fairly new game, fairly recent game, or whatever, and you don't feel you got your money out of it? Um, hmm. You know, I wouldn't say a recent game, but... The one that immediately comes to mind looking at my part of my Steam library, because, you know, I'd have to spend here a while scrolling through. But uh, the one of the Civilization games, which I love the franchise, I've played, you know, all of the Civilization uh, series, mm -hmm. uh, starting at one, going up to Beyond Earth, 
and uh, six. I don't remember which came first, but I want to say it was like three or four where they completely changed the way tiles work on the map and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was just completely disappointed in the game. And I believe well, I, I paid it, retail for it. Oh, I hope it's not four because Adam's going to have a heart attack. He probably just <laughs> had a heart attack right then. I mean, if it if it, if it came if, if it was three, then four had the same issue. You know, I kind of got used to it and got over it, so to speak. But I don't enjoy the game as much as I did the early civs. I don't guess it was five then, huh? I don't know. It might have been because uh, I know uh, five was a it was a, a vast departure from the system. But this was a long time ago. So uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm asking you this because. I've thought to myself, okay, let's say that I did not get this game on sale and I paid the 60 some odd dollars for it. How pissed off would I be? I've got to say a little bit, but I wouldn't. This is not one of those games where you're paying $60 and as far as production, you're not getting your $60 worth. This is more like, I can't really fucking argue that so many hundreds of millions of people love this game, and I just don't. You know? I can see where the, I can see where the money went. I can see why it cost this money to make this game. This is not a cheap game. It's not a fucking haphazard slapdash bullshit game. I get where the money went. It's just the game wasn't for me. Yeah. And I've actually got a very clear answer that should have immediately come to mind. Mm-hmm. But I think it didn't hit me because it was my own fault. Because I knew and I'd heard that it wasn't a good game. And that's No Man's Sky. I had already heard oh, people going, it's hurts. terrible. <laughs> I didn't buy it day one. I uh-huh. bought it, you know, a couple weeks later. I was like, alright, I want to see if this game is really as bad as people are saying. And boy was it. Oh um, yeah, so I haven't played it. I haven't. I played it myself, but oh god, yeah, you can't so, throw a stone anywhere and not hear about. Yeah, we got fucked on that one. Yeah, so I I did pay retail on that because I didn't wait for a sale. Right, um, it's sixty bucks still. Wow, yeah. that's ballsy. That's because uh, from what I from what I read or remember, they have they have since initial release. Of course, released several patches. They've fixed many issues. They've brought new features in that were missing. They've they've brought things in the game that should have already yep. been there, etc. So, and I, I've tried it since then. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, I loaded it up uh, just maybe in the last month or so, maybe a little bit more than a month now. Is it uh, and it's still garbage? So it's not as bad as it was. But my biggest issue with the game and why I can't keep playing it for very long is the inventory. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that you can get to the point where you have plenty of inventory space, but I don't know if it's my starting location because it's kind of it's randomized. You know, you don't know what planet you're going to start on, what resources you'll have, etc. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to find a way to expand my inventory, and I could not find one. It basically wow. comes down to, it's, and this is based on what I've read, which trying to find a guide on how to do anything in No Man's Sky is ridiculous. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's... To, be- nobody's going to write a game fact for this game, Chris. It fucking sucks. Yeah, there was an article <laughs> about, oh, hey, this guy upgraded his ship to the maximum without ever leaving the starting planet. Okay, I'd like to know how. 
because I'm going from planet to planet and I'm not progressing. I'm not yeah. having fun because I can't upgrade my ship. And it yeah. basically, from what I read, and it talks about he did this, but it doesn't say how. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, he sold resources that were worth money. Okay, great. I can sell resources that are worth money, but what is my goal with the money I get? How much do I need to get, you know, initially to make this progress, to invest, to do whatever I need to do to upgrade? And I believe one of the articles I read said something about, okay, well, you eventually trade your ship. Are you buy a ship and then sell yours to get a little bit of your money back or something like that. But how do I get enough money to buy the next ship? They're not yeah. cheap. Am I just mm-hmm. supposed to go farm platinum or gold or some other, you know, expensive material for hours upon hours upon hours before I can do this? Or is there some step I'm missing because none of the things talking about inventory tell you how you're supposed to get to this next tier of ship. It's like, yeah, you buy a new ship and that has more inventory or you can craft these upgrades. Okay, how do I craft the upgrades? Nobody tells me. There's nothing out there telling me how. I'm sure I could probably find it if I looked hard enough, but I spent, you know, probably two hours, two, three hours one afternoon playing because I'd heard it got so much better and people were actually praising it, saying it's now what it should have been at release and stuff. But I had no inventory space still. I had explored a little bit, jumped around, got some materials, died a few times, you know, did my thing. I made no progress when it was all wow. said and done after three hours of play. And wow. I, I don't mind grinding games. I'm kind of notorious for getting hooked on grinding games, especially Me mobile too. games and stuff Me like too. that. Yep. But I need to see progress. I need to see progress. Exactly. I can't keep doing the same thing. This. Oh, man. We're about to get in a Minecraft argument if you don't. You know, whoo, whoo. Um, that that was actually a game I should have mentioned when we were talking about games I'd played uh, recently on the first episode. Mm-hmm. I, I'll play uh, modded Minecraft, Sky Factory, and stuff like that. So yeah. But, uh, so, just to round off that near automata nonsense again, I t- I, t- I tell you like this, and you know that since No Man's Sky weaseled his way isn't here, we'll we'll put it to No Man's Sky as well. If you out there in the audience have played either No Man's Sky or more likely near automata and you have a different opinion than us you actually like no man's sky you fucking love near automata write us email us let us know i'd love to hear your opinions most notably i'd love to know what i'm missing i will say again let me make this clear i have i do know and have been told and fully understand that Scenario A is one scenario. Scenario B is almost the same scenario, but it's told from a different perspective, and it fills in a lot of gaps. And apparently, Scenario C is a completely different thing. It's supposed to be way better. The story and the game is supposed to be way better. Uh, I'm trying my best not to sound like a fucking snobby asshole when I say this, but guys, if you're telling me <laughs> I've got to make it through two separate scenarios to start enjoying a game, you're fucking up. I'm sorry. It's just that... Uh, I need some kind of drive to go finish scenario B and start and finish scenario C, and I don't have it yet. What's drop- your uh, What's your time investment on the game? Like, how oh, long did man. it take you to play through scenario A? I ooh, I want to say it was like thirty thirty five hours ish. Wow. Um, I would have to pull up. I sh- you got me on the spot, bruh. I should have steam up at all times anyway. 
who doesn't have just steam just running <laughs> at all times? If I had to shit out a number without pulling it up and actually looking at it, I want to say it was around 30-something hours, 35-ish. Okay. Um, and a lot of that was grindy. I was kind of beelining through a lot of the main scenario. I did a couple side quests, but stopped kind of caring about them because I was I was doing my grind stuff. I got a handful of side quests done, but yeah, the most of that I'd say half of that time was probably grinding, uh, and the other was the story. Um. Steam says you're in-game near Automata right now. Yeah, I fucking pulled it up. <laughs> I'm actually curious about it now. Uh, oh, you know what? And it just crashed on me. That brings up another small point that pissed me off about that game. Of that time in that game, this is actually want me to... Can't you just click on your games and then click the game? And then it tells you a time... Yeah, I showed that you have 57 hours in the game right now. Okay, well, there you go. Okay. Well, I want to say it was 30, 35 or 37 was scenario A, if I had to guess. In that time that you just said, that 50-something hours that I played that game, the game crashed 17 times, as Jesus. in the game crashed, folks. The game stopped playing. Hey, sorry, we encountered an error. Your progress is gone. And... Two of those times, you can, I mean, it may be my PC, who knows, two of those times were a hard computer crash. As in, I had to unplug the fucking power cable from my computer and do a hard restart. Jesus. Now, 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 again, I'm trying my best to give credit where credit is due. Just like Dark Souls, when Dark Souls initially released on the PC, that was buggy as fuck, they came out and released a patch. This is not an uncommon practice in the PC world. A game will have a severe issue, and the user base will make a fix for it. There is a fix out there, but I thought it was just supposed to be a patch, and apparently it's a graphics engine thing. I haven't delved into that. Again, if you guys want to write in and let me know, hey, uh, I, I just I started looking at things, and I went to go watch an installer for it, to go learn about it, basically. And it's like, it looked like it was a graphics changing thing. I don't know. But apparently that thing was supposed to fix the thing from randomly crashing. Um, it wasn't a horrible thing. The crashing was not the deal breaker for me. It was simply another needle in that haystack. Um... So yeah, until I get the, the the urge or desire to go back through that game or in whatever way that comes, I'm pretty much done with it. I give it a fucking 4 out of 10, I guess. Uh, And this led me into, for whatever reason, going back and picking up Valkyra Chronicles. Uh, Chris, have you played Valkyra Chronicles? I have not. Okay. Let me let me try to do Adam a justice here. I have to give Adam a shout out because this does kind of belong to him. The reason why I am even playing Valkyria Chronicles is because he suggested this game repeatedly. It is a Final Fantasy Tactics style game set in a fantasy style World War ish setting. Now, eh, World War is a bad way to put it. You're using tanks and shooters and shit like that, but you're 
It's tactics. He told me repeatedly about playing this game and kept on and kept on. He's like, man, it's up there. It was actually up in the uh, the episode where we did the uh, IGN and Game Informer Top 100 RPG lists. It's in that list, and it's actually fairly high. So I picked up the game. This was right around the time when I had first finished Breath of the Wild and already knew I was going to go back into that game. And I forget what other games I was either wanting to start or play around. I think I wanted to do some Mario 3D World and something else. I forget. Anyway, this Valkyria Chronicles came at a time where I was in a whirlwind of playing other games. Not that I didn't know which one I wanted to stop on, but just I had so much going on. And he talked me into it. And I finally picked up the game and I tried it out. And and I told him, and I think I even said it on the podcast, I put the game down, but it was a gentle put down. It was a, okay, I got about maybe two chapters into the game. It's not blowing my mind like it did yours, but that's okay. Uh, it's got good music. The story is very slow right now, but I see where it could go. The combat right now is very small, but I there's probably more to it. I'm going to put this game down because Breath of the Wild is just on me and I've got to I want to keep playing that and I want to try these other games. I'll come back to Valkyria Chronicles. I'm not saying I did I wasn't saying I hated it. I wasn't saying it was bad. I was just saying it's not grabbing me. Whatever it is grabbed you is not grabbing me and I'm I'm coming back to it later and we'll see. Yeah, I actually own it. I don't know if it was after you know you guys talking about it before. Maybe, <laughs> um, but I have I haven't played it. I'm showing zero hours on record. Gotcha. Um, but I do have it even installed. I went that far. I just haven't played it yet. So here uh, we go. No so spoilers. I'll, yeah, I'll play no sp- it and then mm-hmm. I'll you know give my thoughts on it. So no spoilers. I picked that game back up. Uh, I was I had picked it up right somewhere in the middle of chapter three, I suppose. It was. For those of you that have played the game, it was the scene right when they were leaving the town. And they were like, hey, we're going to come back here one day. We're going to come back home. Right now, we got to go do some shit. Um, this is how my fucking life works all the time. That game, so I played, I played, I watched the movie, I watched a movie, I watched a movie. I did an actual gameplay chapter or gameplay section, watched the movie, watched the movie, played a gameplay section. And it wasn't grabbing me. I saw, again, where it was interesting and it could have some potential, but it wasn't, nothing had snapped for me yet. Nothing was like, oh, yeah. And I let the game go. The very next gameplay thing that opens up at after the point where I stopped was when you get to the, I want to, God, for the lack of the name, it's like a barracks area. It's the part of the game that opens up fucking everything else for you. It opens up the ability to let you recruit more people and learn about your recruits. It lets you train your recruits and get them more abilities and also grow their own story. It's the point that it opens up more. It it lets you buy new weapons and buy new armaments and outfit your crew and outfit your tank. It opens up all the parts of the game. And I stopped right before that. Now that I've got to that part, again, at the close to the tail end of chapter three, I'm fucking loving it. I'm having a great time with it. Many reasons why. One, 
The story is engaging. I'm liking where it's going. I like the resistance feel to it. Two, the combat, the gameplay. It is like tactics to a degree. It's, it has it has its differences, but it's tactic it's tactical based. You've got to you got to plan your moves. You got to you got to be smart about what you're doing. The customization is where it comes in for me. The further you go down those trees, the more customization you can do, and it adds up. It adds more options. You can go back and replay old missions, which I for, I totally forgot you could do, and you can get more gold and get more experience to level yourself up if you're coming into a hitch. Uh, they have they have flavor to every single character. You don't just have like like in tactics, you know, you have a black mage or a dragoon aside from the main characters. In this game, you have lieutenants or captains, whichever one they are, but every character underneath every every lancer has a name, has his own personality, has a little blurb about themselves, where they came from and everything. These people become a part of your squad. This is important for me because when I was hearing like the Easy Allies review, I remember him saying that, you know, it's it's the story of Squad Seven that's going to keep you around. It's the story of this squad that's going to that's going to make or break it for you. It's going to be a great story with this squad. Now I understand why because you make that squad. You know, there's there are a lot of quality of story touches that they put in this game that they didn't have to, but they did. And it all adds flavor. So, I I think I'm about a maybe a quarter of the way through chapter four. I've only done like two, maybe three more battles since I've been able to upgrade myself and, and, and customize things. And I'm having a blast to the point now where now that I'm playing like three games at once, cause I'm still playing Metroid. I'm still playing that Yoshi's Island. And now I'm playing this. I'll do a mission. I'll watch the movies. And before the next mission mission starts, I'll stop playing the game. I'm like, well, I want to save it. I want to save it. <laughs> so uh I'm glad I came back to it and I and again, I'm only on chapter 4. There are 18 chapters in this game. There's so much more I haven't even got into yet and so much more I haven't done yet. But right now, I'm very interested in going forward and I hope the game story-wise and gameplay pays off for me down the road. Uh but as of right now, I'm glad I went into it. Glad glad I did. Especially when I was coming off a deficit from near Automata, I just want <laughs> yeah. to jab that out there. I just want to jab that. But uh, that's how you really feel. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I set my piece on it. <laughs> I set my piece on it. If, again, if you have any, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or opinions, uh, reviews about uh, Valkyra Chronicles, let me know. And I hope you get to it sometime, Chris. Take your time, but man, you. Don't be a Michael. <laughs> Wait until chapter four before you make any decision to stop playing. Because I stopped right before. I stopped, I mean, right before. It's like Adam could have been in the room and go, hey, man, if you just go through the next two cutscenes, you're going to get what you need. I'm like, nah, yeah. I'm good playing it now. It's like, okay. <laughs> so uh, that's it for my week. I think it's high time that we hold, move on. Hold on. Hold oh, on. God. Holding. I, I, I'm looking at Steam, and it says you played Dust and Elysian Tale mm-hmm. for an hour. Yeah. What's up with that? Uh, I think that was uh, in the past few weeks, maybe the past month. And that was, again, in that time, 
It was one of those turmoil times where I was just picking up a game, not interested, picking it up, not interested, picking it That one, I'm treating kind of like Valkyria Chronicles. Okay. I will come back to that game. I didn't see anything about it that I didn't like. It just didn't, oh, shake me to the core. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, um, I've played and beat it. That's why I was mainly curious. Well, did you enjoy it? I mean, yeah. Overall, I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't anything earth-shattering. It was just yeah. a nice game to play through. Yeah. It didn't uh, cost will... a lot of money, so I have no <laughs> issues. <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard a lot about it, and I will get back to it. It's uh, That's the same thing if, I mean, if we're... If we're just sniping my Steam list, I think I signed out of it. Shit, I did. Uh, another game is like a Freedom Planet. I I played, I bought Freedom Planet. It's supposed to be just like if you love Sonic. I mean, I'm saying it's supposed to be. I've watched fucking two best friends play it. I know what it is. Uh, if you like the Sonic style of game and like uh, different moves and all that shit, it's right up your alley. I played, mm-hmm. I played it for a while. I just had other games come up in my life, and I put it off on the back burner. Um, there are some games that I have purchased on Steam that I have not even installed yet that are there. Yeah. I will get to games, and there are some that I've have and have literally put them on a back burner as in I will get back to them. Yeah, my um, Steam library is categorized into uh, casual games. You mm-hmm. know, the I have a, the American Truck Sim game. You know, that's a casual game, and yeah, uh, Play Gink and stuff like that. You know. Uh, the civilization games are going to that category. I have games I've completed. And then I have an in progress, which are games I've started, has about 15 games on it. Uh, <laughs> some of them aren't truly not finished. Like, I need to move, uh, Factorio to casual at some point. Mm-hmm. But I have it in here only because I haven't technically beat the game. But it's more of a casual game anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I have Untouched which are games I want to play, but I have not started. Right. And then I have a category called Not Interested. <laughs> so I some, picked this up on a Steam sale because it was $0.25. Cents. I'm still probably never going to play it. Some of them are... I'm trying to think of any <laughs> games I actually bought because I wanted to play it, and then it went into this. I think most of them are games that came with something else. Yeah. Um, or they're games I've already beat, and I should technically put them in the completed category like Final Fantasy Thirteen. I played it on Xbox. But it was part of a Final Fantasy package I bought. came with 13, so I own 13 now um, on Steam. Uh, but yeah, I've got I've got a few games that are like that. You know, just some games I haven't started yet. Some games I did, and I I will get. I, I'm actually looking through my list now, and I don't see one on here that I just won't go back and play. Period. Most of them are. Oh well, except for like Transistor. I didn't get. I tried it. Tried it twice, actually. It just didn't suit me. But Yeah, that's one of those kind of top-down-ish run-around shooting games or whatever. Is yeah. that the one where you teleport or something? And Yeah, it's up its own ass, so it didn't appeal to me. So. Mm. <laughs> but, uh... So, yeah, that's it. That's it for all that shit. I think we should move on to our topic du jour, our topic today. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Clan the White Wolf. I'm not stealing topic du jour. That's all yours. <laughs> Our topic for today, and you know what, we're just for the audience's concern, probably not going to be a lot of learning from this. This may just be more of a trip down memory lane, but that's okay. Today's topic is video game magazines. So obviously it's just going to be a trip down memory lane because 
I mean, I'm sure there are some publications out there today, but well, it's not it's not what it used to be for me, nope. anyway. You know. Um, I'll let you start off if you want to, Chris. If you could talk about what game subscriptions you had, what game subscription memories you can think of, what what magazines played a part in your life, fond memories, whatever, man. We'll just fucking roll into conversations about it. But tell me about magazines. In so your I life. don't think. I ever personally had a magazine subscription. A majority of my magazines I read came from either you or Andy. Just straight up. Um, I Tips and Tricks is probably my favorite because uh, I cheated like crazy at games as a kid. Um... I wasn't big in magazines that gave reviews or anything like that because I was a kid. I, you know, got what I got because my parents, you know, decided to buy it for me. There weren't many games where I specifically asked for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be, you know, like a Christmas thing. What do you right. want for Christmas? Well, I want this game. But during the year, I typically didn't specifically ask for a game. I'm, we'd go to, you know, the pawn shop and I'd be like, that looks like a fun game. I'll play it. I didn't read magazines to what should I play next type thing. Like I may do now, you know, where I go to a gaming website, which is kind of where everything's transitioned to. We can talk about that after we mm-hmm. reminisce for a bit. Yeah. But I never really got into it. Hmm. Um, I enjoyed the magazines as far as uh, guides, walkthroughs, and, you know, cheat codes. That was my main purpose, other than just the nostalgia effect of some of them, where it's like, oh, hey, this is EGM uh, issue 100 or something like that, you know, the special thicker edition, almost like a book at that point, um, magazine. And I had two of those. I was so proud of those. (laughs) Um, I probably still have them somewhere in a box. I have all the magazines you gave me still in boxes in storage. Is that like, is that one of your picks, one of your like favorite magazines? I, I don't even remember what the contents were. I think they had maybe a top 100 list in there or something like that. I don't know that I ever well, no, read no, it no. I mean, like, of all the magazines oh. physically. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I have one. I the, the uh, I want to say it was the Nintendo Power 100. Oh, God. I hope I'm not wrong on this. Uh, it had a Mega Man X cover. Mm-hmm. And the Mega Man X cover had two variants, one of which was a silver-type cover. Love that. I have that copy somewhere in this house, like, stowed away <laughs> for, for purposes. But yeah, that probably was my favorite physically, just because of the thickness of it. Like yeah. I said, it was almost a book. It was so thick. Yeah. I remember that one, too. I remember that thing being huge. Yeah. Huge. I mean, my yeah. second copy is probably the one you gave me when you gave me all your magazines. Yeah. And <laughs> just so I don't have to have a well, actually, for next week. Uh, it was Nintendo Power. Oh Lord, I don't see a number. Never mind. I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm lo- I'm looking at it right now because I want to make sure the number itself is right. But I have this yeah. because again, it was two different copies, two different. Uh, it's number fifty six. Wow, it's way. I'm way way off. But it had two, and not only that, it wasn't just. Yes, it, it was. It had a, it, they, it was Mega Man X flipped one way and Mega Man X flipped the other way. In one way, he was, it was a silver, it was a thick, like, it felt like a different material. 
like an embossed silver cover. I love mm-hmm. that. But, uh, so yeah, uh, for me, the same way, uh, my magazine subscriptions came later, like way later in life. I also don't think that I ever physically had a subscription myself to any of the ones that I had. Uh, friends around me had them and I would borrow them or some way, shape or form. I would get them through like maybe trading or something. Uh, I never really had any money to buy any. They all came from somebody else. One of my earliest collections is, uh, I hope he listens to this episode because he, he, he always thinks we talk shit about him, but Zane, we love you. You're an awesome, you're an inspiration to both of us. You just smell funny. Um, so the, the, <laughs> that was a joke. You don't smell at all. Uh, our older cousin, the house that he lived in way, way back in the day, he lived in the attic of the house and, I would go to their house every great once in a while. Let me tell you a couple reasons why this was awesome. One, uh, so in ranking of age, there's Zane, who is the oldest, there's me, and then there's Chris. Uh, I think, uh, to, to put a, to put a name to an earlier episode, if anybody's interested, if you ever heard me call him Jughead, that's who it is. That's Zane. (laughs) Um, who I will now that I remember that refer to him again as Butthead, uh, Jughead. Uh, I would go to their place and visit, and not only did Jughead play video games, but his dad played video games. And, and I think Chris would agree, that's pretty fucking awesome. Yep. You know, that's, I don't know if your dad had a tie to you with video games, but my dad did not. You know, I was ecstatic when I was able to play checkers with my dad. Oh wow. So I wouldn't go anything beyond that. But that was yeah. that was my thing. If he actually sat down and played a game of checkers with me, that just made my week. Yeah. So, you know, his father and my father aside, when we would go to another family member's house and see their see his dad playing video games, and folks, I'm not talking about him picking up fucking Tetris on the Nintendo. I was over there one day when him and when uh Jughead and his dad were playing Clay Fighter for the 60 uh, for the <laughs> Super Nintendo together. And then when they were done with that, his dad went started went back to his file that he was working on when he was playing Final Fantasy 4. Like holy shit, are you kidding me? Like a guy that was into gaming and not, I mean, of course, he's the adult, so he's got more money. So if either him yeah. or Jughead wants more games, they just go buy what they go buy games. There are so many facets to why having a father that plays games with you was such an awesome thing, and I always thought that was so fucking cool. But that aside, I would go to their house most of the time. I'm sorry, I would go to their house, and most of the time, I would get to hang out with Jughead. But there were some times where he would have to be away, and I couldn't. And which means that I got free reign of his room. <laughs> well, back in the day, you know what I'm saying? Jughead was a busy man. You know, he had a, had a, had a lot of, had a lot of, uh, things going on and didn't always have time to clean his room. And his upstairs attic room was a fucking mess. A fucking mess. And I said, that's okay. I love you so much. 
and I love hanging out with you so much. If it's just me coming here to clean your room, let me come over and just clean your room. And he said, I tell you what, if you clean my room, I will give you something. And I'm thinking like, what are you going to give me? Like money? He's like, no, I'll give you, I'll give you that entire stack of Nintendo powers. I'll give you that game. I'll give you this thing. And I tell you what, if you just see shit in this room you want, I'll let you have it. Fun fact of life. I love, uh, there's a cologne that I picked up and I still wear to this day <laughs> because I found a bottle of it when I was cleaning his fucking room and I sprayed myself with it and I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. And I was like, can I have this? He's like, I don't give a shit. I've got 20 other ones. That one's almost empty. And to this day, I still wear that cologne. But that that's just one example of how I came across magazines. I cleaned his room up one day and it took me like four hours to do it, but... I didn't care because I was at his place hanging out with him, and I got to play games before and after, and I got an entire stack. We're talking like 30. It might be the same one you have. It's like 30 or 40-something Nintendo Power magazines. There were Game Pros in there. It was just a stack of magazines and just other stuff that my older brother-like cousin was like, yeah, here you just want it. Here you go. You can have it. I don't care. Um. Yeah, and then you're like, I don't have room for all these magazines, so I have like four boxes, and I'm not talking small boxes, they're like oh, three yeah. foot long boxes, <laughs> two three by two boxes, full yep. of magazines, I can barely carry them, and there's yep. like four or five of them, <laughs> full. I'm like, okay, I'll take them. Um, and those that's the hoarder were, in me. Yeah, well, and and just just like Mammy would say, those are worth money, bro. Hang yeah. to them. Um, that's just one example of, I always got my magazines through other people. It was always some trade deal or something, or I just bought them off of them. Uh, I used them for, I tell you, I tell you the, the bare, bare bones basic reason why I love magazines. I love the pictures. I love the pictures and love the color. I remember there was a DGM that was, showing every move list for Killer Instinct characters, and I loved reading it and looking at it just to look at the Killer Instinct characters. This is back in grade school, mind you, but yeah. still. Um, the reviews I could give or take. Uh, I always got a kick out of the game pro reviews. That's why to this day, I well, not to this day, but now I've recently picked up and started using the game guy, the game pro guy face for my movie reviews. Um... They were usually spot on for me. Most of them were anyway. I also love the, the trip, the, uh, tips and tricks sections. I love the tips and tricks magazine. I always thought the tips and tricks magazine was very childish. Not, not childish, but you could tell that they appealed to a younger audience. That's because, fair. yeah, because all of the, all of the letters they got written in, it always seemed like they come from a younger, younger audience, you know? Um, yeah. I had several Tips and Tricks magazines. You got you you can get those out of them. They also had Tips and Tricks also had puzzles too, if I'm not mistaken. I think they had those ones where it was like it would have a grid of like 30, 30 blocks, you know, like fifteen by something, and it would say, okay, at A one, draw this shape, 
at A2, draw this shape, etc. When you did it all the way across the grid, it made a picture. It was like a picture of Mega Man or a picture of Mario or something. I remember those were pretty cool. Hmm. I don't remember. Um, Nintendo Power was great for having tips and tricks. They had the comics. I loved reading the comics back in the day. I loved reading, like, the Star Fox comic and the Metroid comic. Um... Did you did you ever write in to a video game magazine? I did not. Okay. I didn't either, and it's so crazy that I didn't do that. I did. I wrote in to um, Nintendo itself. I actually had a Manila folder back in the day that had all thirteen responses that they that they mailed to me back. Yes, it said thirteen. I wrote Nintendo thirteen times. For different things that a, that a fucking kid would write about. I wrote to them and told them I loved video games and I loved Nintendo. I asked them for help in Link to the, uh, Link's Awakening and a couple other games. Um, and in hindsight, I'm thinking, man, why did I never just write to Nintendo Power? I probably could have had that thing published, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that you got responses back like that. I did every single letter that I wrote directly to Nintendo and Redmond, Washington. I got a letter mm-hmm. back. And I I think it may have been a Katrina thing or maybe just over time it just got lost, but I had it, all of them. And they were all sincere. They took me seriously and they sincerely wrote me back, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's something you would expect from a small company, you know, a small video game company or something like that, but Nintendo? Yeah. They weren't that bad after all. So you could see where my rosy tinted glasses have come from. <laughs> um, they had a tips and tricks style section as well. Uh, code, 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 top secret, I think it was. I forget. Uh, they did reviews. They did a lot of those. Uh, I think they also had a artwork. I think they, as well as other magazines, had an artwork section where users could bring their artwork in or send their artwork in and have it displayed. I always thought that was cool. Um, and I liked how balanced most of the magazines would do those because it would have pictures of artwork that is, I mean, phenomenal. You know, you're looking at some piece of artwork that a 14 year old kid did and it looks like something that belongs you know, it's it, it's very well done, high quality. Right. But yeah. then they would also have a piece of artwork like here, here's here's Link from Zelda, and you can tell it's like a a, a crayon. You know, it's a kid mm-hmm. that did it. I always thought Stick that was a nice with a hat or something. Yeah, <laughs> and I always thought that was such a nice touch. You know, that they they understand that not only are we a video game company, and video games also appeal to younger audience, but we give love all around. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm pretty sure EGM. Maybe it was either EGM or Nintendo Power. They both did a. I know Tips and Tricks did it. But let's see what other ones. That, uh, EGM was a good one. EGM had a good long run. Um, if I'm not mistaken, was it EGM that did the uh that did the April Fool's jokes? I think it was. I think so. I think it was EGM. Yeah. Uh, I, now I know GamePro did something like that. It was called Lame Pro. They did the, the, sp- <laughs> yeah, I remember Lame Pro. Uh, 
Lane Pro was a it it was usually around three or four pages long talking to the audience, and uh, it was like a super mini Game Pro magazine inside the actual Game Pro, and it was called Lame Pro as a as an April Fool's spinoff joke name. And it would give like fake review. It would either give, it would either give fake reviews for real games or it would make up bullshit games and then also give them reviews. Uh, it was, it was crazy. It was very, very satirical. And EGM, if I'm not mistaken, had an actual April Fool's jokes. Like they would review a game that's supposed to be coming out that doesn't fucking exist. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, did do you remember any of the April Fool's jokes that come to mind? I mean, uh, I don't, I don't remember them. I do know they did them. I remember them doing them, but I think I got all of it secondhand, so I don't have strong memories of it. There were specifics. Yeah, the, it ran for several several years that they did the April Fool's stuff, and it was always it was always stuff, good stuff. I remember one. God, I should have I should have researched this and got the fucking details right. But there was an EGM April Fool's joke about I want to say it was Resident Evil Two, and the idea was you could do something in that game to get a Kuma, I believe. I think that's what it was. It's like if you beat it was some crazy stupid. Uh, it might have been in their tricks section of the of the thing. And it was like, if you do these very, very, very hard-to-reach goals, you can unlock Akuma in the game. And, oh, God, I read that. Oh, here's the thing. The difference between Game Pro's Lame Pro and EGM's April Fool's is EGM always made their April Fool's as if they were real. I mean, they legitimately did an April Fool's thing. They tried to pass these things off as legitimate tricks or legitimate reviews. Yeah. Lame Pro, you know when you're reading the Lame Pro section, it's bullshit. So I'm, re- I'm reading through this magazine, however, whenever I got it. I said, oh shit, there is a way to play Akuma in Resident Evil 2. Oh, I will go do that. And uh, yeah, it turned out to be bullshit. It was utterly bullshit. I was so fucking, I wanted to do this thing so bad, and it was all bullshit. Uh, which, you're only gonna fall for EGM's April Fools a few times. Eventually, it's gonna get to a point where, you know, you see something really, really out there, and it's not gonna work. Let's see, let's see. Trying to read it here. To get the, to get the famed Sotokan killer playable first play through the game six times through, which, <laughs> which you have to do that anyway to get either hunk or t- I think it's tofu. I did this back in the day and I'm pretty sure on my memory card I still have it. I did play, I did get hunk and I 100% of Resident Evil 2, even though that's, that's really not a thing, but I got everything in that game. Yeah. During all of these, here's where, here's where you know it's bullshit. You should know. During all of these six playthroughs, you must only use the knife and handgun and achieve an A ranking in all scenarios. Once achieved, you will get a clue. Start the game with a seventh 
start the game a seventh time and enter the word Akuma in the lab security computer in both scenarios. This should give you access to the save game, to, to the save screen to save the game, and you get to play as Akuma. They went so far as to mock up pictures, in-game pictures of you playing as like a Street Fighter Alpha 2 uh, polygonal version of Akuma in this game. It looks legit. Back then, it yeah. looked legit. And it was fake. It was so fake, and it got me. Side tangent question, Chris. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been something that you read, that you read, heard through word of mouth, saw a video of, what have you, that said, hey, here's how to do this thing, and then you went and did it and found out it was bullshit? I don't think that I personally did, but when you started talking about the April Fools, I was actually going to ask you if you knew um, if the naked Laura Croft originated from one of those. Mm, I don't know. Because I wonder if that was just kind of a... Because I don't think that was pre-internet days. So I don't know if it originated from one of those or how that whole rumor got started. Um, But I never tried that myself. Um, I didn't own the games to begin with. Uh, But I know that was a big one that got a lot of people. Well, it's from what I'm, from what my minimal research here shows is an article cited in the 1997 issue of EGM was one of the first sources to spread the myth about the nude code. Okay. Uh, now, I never tried it. Uh, mm-hmm. you know what? I think that's a fucking lie. I think I'm a fucking liar. <laughs> I think I wanted to see, I think I wanted to see Lara Croft and all of her fucking 32-bit polygonal nakedness. I think mm-hmm. I tried that. I want to say it was something like you had to dive into this, into her pool of her mansion a certain way or something. I think I, I remember trying something, and it never did work. <laughs> it may have been that one. It may have been what well, I wanted to see tits when I was a fucking teenage kid. Get off me. I mean, I didn't say I didn't want to see it. I just didn't <laughs> uh, have the opportunity. Yeah. If it wasn't that one, I tried. It was something. It it, no. it never worked. I yeah, did. I I did try one thing, and it was for this is a, this is probably a game you've never heard of, Chris. And if you have, I'm pretty sure you probably don't like it at all. It was a Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> little little unheard, little unknown gem. Uh, um, I had heard, and this I have I have found this on the internet. This was not a word of mouth, but this was also back in my high school days internet. So we're talking ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah, I had days. Yes. So I don't even know how the fuck I found this, but I found a thing that said, we know how to bring Eris back to life. Oh, yeah. Oh, spoiler warning for Final Fantasy VII, Ares dies. If you don't know that by now, I'm sorry I spoiled that. If you're a genuine gamer that doesn't know that by now, tough shit. <laughs> Everybody fucking knows that she dies. Anyway... So, this is, now mind you, this is post-facto. This is, I've already played and beat this game probably three, four, five times by this point. But I found this thing that said, this is how you can bring her back to life. And it was something like, after the fact that she was dead, you needed to go back to Midgar. 
and you needed to go back to a certain town, little little uh, slums section of Midgar, and there is a there is a pipe. Inside that pipe, there's some guy that has this string of dialogue about something. You have to bring him 100 tissues. And that was what caught me because I was like, oh, it's a tish, it's tissues because, you know, you're crying because, because she died. Oh, I get it. So, oh my God. I went around this game and farmed, farmed. Tissues. Actually, I don't think you. I think you could buy them from somebody. I don't. Yeah, remember. I was gonna say. I think you can just buy them. I got a hundred tissues. And I went to this person and talked, and not a not a fucking thing happened. Of course, nothing was gonna happen. It was fucking bullshit. It's not gonna work. I thought maybe I saved at the wrong spot, so I went back to an earlier save file and did all this shit to get back there. I saved before I bought the tissues. I saved after the tissues before I went into Midgar. I saved after the tissues, after going into Midgar, before I walked to the air to talk to the guy. I changed party members. I, I, I just, it's, it's actually embarrassing how many things I tried to do differently before I finally said to myself, Hey man, this shit don't work. <laughs> it got me. It got me. You know, I don't think I ever heard that as something serious. I think I always heard it as this is a, you know, myth or something yeah. like that. Yeah, um, this shit was, I had, I had this thing printed out from school and brought home. I don't remember if it was from like a gaming on, an online gaming site or maybe I just was just fucking going through Alta Vista and typing Final Fantasy VII tricks. And it popped up from user Johnny Blow Five, you know, who knows? Um So yeah, back to magazines. Uh EGM, Game Pro, Nintendo Power, and Tips and Tricks. Those are the those were the four prominent ones that, that come to mind. Uh I also uh, had EGM. That was another one that uh, I got from friends, and uh, I think that came down from a pass-down thing. Like, they would get it every month, and then like a month or two later, they would just give it to me because they didn't want it no more. And I'm like, fuck yeah, yeah I'll take it. Um, I think the first, believe it or not, the first subscription that I paid for was, I think I finally ended up in my older years actually paying for my own Nintendo Power and or EGM and or Game Pro. Uh, some other notable ones that I paid for later, later in life was, uh, if nobody's heard of this, that's cool, because it is a UK-based magazine. It's called Retro Gamer. I picked up this magazine when I took a trip to Ireland a few years ago. And I was like, oh, a gaming magazine in a random Ireland bookstore. Uh, let's see what this is about. Oh, it's Retro Gamer. And I think the cover, I think that that article was talking about, uh, like top 100 Super Nintendo games or something. And I just, I'm, I'm in another country and I'm flipping through this magazine and it's English and I'm looking at all this stuff from my gaming lifehood and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. So I bought that when I had that just for a year because it's fairly expensive to get an out-of-country magazine yeah. shipped to you. Uh, I think it was like a hundred and sixty-something dollars for a year subscription, which holy shit, damn! Nintendo yeah. Power was like twenty. Uh, 
And yes, I did have, and to this day still have, a Game Informer subscription because I am still a GameStop power-up guy. They send me that magazine still. Uh, I rarely read it. My wife reads it more than me, believe it or not. Uh, maybe I'll read it on car rides or whatnot. But yeah, I think la- I got a few of those. Yeah. But. One last interesting thing about me in the magazine world, uh, I, I have become over the years a magazine Robin Hood. And what I mean is I, in all my magazines that I have these days, I cut out the little part that shows my address and personal information. And any time that I go to a doctor's office, like with either I go or my, me and my wife go, to a dentist's office, anywhere that has a waiting area and has a magazine stack, I sneak in a video game magazine. <laughs> I've been doing that for years, for years. Because when people go to these places to wait and they pick up, what do you usually find? There's a fucking Life magazine or a GQ magazine. Reader's Digest. Reader's Digest, Better Homes and Gardens, fucking Real Weekly for the Fisher guys, Real Hunting for the for the Hunter guys. Mm-hmm. I, I would never see game magazines when I was a kid. I think one time, one time I saw Nintendo Power somewhere, and I, and I, I did a backflip and broke my neck. But <laughs> so now every time I go to these places, if I don't already see a magazine subscription, I or a magazine a video game magazine, I just slide one in, just a random thing. And I hope some kids out there appreciate that. I hope in my mind that there's some kid with a fucking you know, he's got a fucking sprained ankle and he's at the hospital and he's crying and he's waiting to be seen and he looks down at this thing and is like, oh, here's Game Informers talking about Breath of the Wild. Cool. And hopefully I make somebody's day. So, I'd um, imagine so. What about you, Chris? Any any uh, other fond memories of video game magazines and stories you can think of? Anything to the video game magazine topic? No, I mean, the only thing related to the topic is, you know, what do you think about the transition to, you know, the online uh news outlets so to speak you know you got kotaku you have uh i don't know if GameSpot has news but i know they have reviews and stuff uh forbes has their gaming section yeah which, which is crazy I was, yeah i was like I, i'm reading this article and i'm like what site is this oh wait that's forbes isn't that this that yeah. money related thing yeah and I'll some see- of my favorite articles are on there I'll see Forbes like articles come across my Facebook page and it's like, here's talking about, you know, how Breath of the Wild has so many millions of sales and re- groundbreaking numbers. And I'm like, Forbes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. They have one of their guys, uh, and it's, it's amazing to actually know the guy's name. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul Tassie or something like that. Don't know how to pronounce it, but he does pretty much most of their, uh, Destiny articles. So I've read, you know, most of his articles in like the last year or something like that. Uh, and they have another guy who I don't know his name offhand, but he'll occasionally put in, you know, if he has a drastically different opinion, he'll actually put in, you know, as opposed to Paul, I thought this was, you know, X. So it's a pretty cool, 
thing to do and to be able to go back and read it and all that to rely on a subscription and um, getting all this news pretty quickly too because a magazine okay you have to wait for the next months yeah so when you have a april fool's issue you don't know it's april fool's until either someone you know tells you it is or yeah. they reveal it next month or something like that yeah um, and you know speaking of that last little bit i think uh i think game pro used to do that back in the day as well because they had so many remember they used to make a big thing about their review of the, uh their uh their writers they all had like little pseudo names or little nicknames or little characters um and they would add different opinions in their reviews as well. You could you could read a review for a game, and it would be two different people giving you two opposing views or mm-hmm. aligned views or whatever. It just it's more than one person telling you this game is bad or good or middle ground or whatever. I like that. It's good stuff. Um, as far as what do I think about the online? I mean, hey man, it's like everything else. It was gonna happen. Yeah, you know, and it's not necessarily putting anybody out of work because if you're a writer you could just go write for the online places yep um i mean i don't know what the advantage would be to staying with a actual magazine company given that the magazine audience has narrowed uh has dwindled maybe even is a better word to say mm-hmm. but i mean they're still putting out game informer uh, I don't know if, I think EGM dropped off many years ago, back in 2009, I think. Uh, I think GamePro, yeah, GamePro's gotta be, they gotta be, they gotta be done. Nintendo Power, I think that was a thing a few years ago that they stopped running, that was like a big thing that they were, they were, they were done. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it was gonna happen. Everything's going online. Uh, yeah. For everything that you would need a game magazine for, you get more and better from online. It's just a sad, yeah. it's, it's the way the world works. If you want a review, you don't have to read a review. You can watch a review video of somebody playing it. So, so there, so there's the, just the review part. So you get somebody's opinion. Second is pictures. You don't have to see pictures. You can see actual gameplay footage. So you know what, what you're. I, I actually have a gripe about that. Okay. Because I hate when I'm going to look for information about a game and it's only in a video and there is zero text to support it, to explain. So you literally have to watch the video. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons, and this is, you know, kind of, particular to my situation is at work, I don't have access to YouTube and I'm not supposed to watch videos because of bandwidth, mm-hmm. you know, control, yeah. but I, I'll read articles. So I'll be like, Oh, Hey, I want to read about the, this new game coming out or something or a game that's already out. I want to you know, know X about it. Can't get any information from certain sites because half their articles, quote unquote, are videos. Yeah. So I go to another website. Um, I don't mind if they have a video like at the top and then they talk about it or cover the same topics, kind of, you know, double dip, you cover both grounds, but I just can't do the video only. Yeah, I can see that. Well, then, hey, in your case, a magazine will be right up your alley, you know? I mean, that's why I like uh, Forbes, because they never do videos. They may do GIFs, but that's fine. You know, they're usually um, entertaining GIFs anyway. 
Uh, yeah. Not really relevant to the article, so to speak. Uh, but even if they are, that's fine because it's, you know, a small file. I don't have to wait on it to buffer. I don't have to hope it's not blocked. Stuff like yeah. that. Um, Kotaku's hit or miss. They have their uh, certain videos they do routinely, which I just don't watch them. That's fine. Yeah. Their articles are still generally good and not in videos, so I don't have an issue there. I wonder if Giant Bomb does like written reviews or typed reviews, I guess text reviews. I know they got I mean, they got videos out the yin yang. They've been doing this shit yeah. for a long time. And I've actually not looked at their stuff. Um I know all about them. I say all about them. I know of them. Um a little bit about them. Uh, oh, they do. Wow, they do. <laughs> But I think so, yeah. their site is one of those that's blocked when I'm at work. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm, and that's why one of the reasons I found Forbes because I was looking for information about some game. I think it's probably Destiny, actually. Well, and you I was know, like, I mean, okay, this site's blocked. This site's blocked. Oh, hey, Forbes, because it's you know this money. There's a way to fix this. Thing. There's a way to fix this, Chris. Instead of looking at fucking video game reviews, do your fucking job. Okay. Hey, if customers don't need help, <laughs> I got nothing to do. Um, or maybe I'm doing my lunch break. How do you know? Yeah, it's um, true. Yeah, audience, how do you know? I'm just trying. I'm beating them to the. I'm beating them to the punch. Is what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually have a really good job in that. Sometimes I'm really busy, but then I'll have a lot of downtime too, and I get yeah. paid either way. So yeah. unless Fuggy. until I get bored out of my mind, I'm like, all right, this is fine. But sometimes <laughs> I do get too bored, and I'm like, all right, I can only read so many news articles. Yeah. But, yeah, so, again, you get everything that you need and better, with exceptions, from from the from the Internet. So, mm -hmm. your views, you got that. Pictures, you got that and better. Uh, tips and tricks, buddy, you got them all over the place. Game facts have been around for a long time. So, oh, not, yeah. only do you, not only do you get tips and tricks, but you get playthroughs to help you the entirety of the game if you ever get stuck. And that's just yep. game facts. You can just type shit in and there's shit. It's everywhere. There's help everywhere. Uh, d dates for upcoming games coming out. Get those online. Uh, interviews with, with producers, directors, writers, people in the video games bubble. You get that online in video form. So it was going to happen. It was going to happen. But for what it was, even when the internet was out, there's still something about just picking up a magazine every great once in a while, flipping through screenshots, reading some reviews. That has waned. The magazine aspect has waned over the years for me. But hell yeah, there was a place and time for it back in the day. And I, I loved them. They were, they were a part of, I love, I carried them around in book bags and read them. I would read some, some, uh, issues multiple times just just because I loved them. Uh, they served their purpose, had a lot of good times with them, but they're just not in my life like that anymore. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, as always, we would love to hear feedback from our audience, ladies and gentlemen all over the world. Remember, we are an international podcast because uh, we got people overseas to listen to us, so it counts. Uh, if you have any feedback, input, etc., about the topics we discuss today, let us know in the email. Uh, if you want to tell us about your experiences in video game magazines, 
even if it's just to say I don't give a fuck about video game <laughs> magazines. Hey, we'll take that. Uh, you can send us an email at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny spelling, no numbers, just as it is. We got a Facebook page. Uh, you just search Facebook for End of Time. You'll find us. It might be how you got here today. We have a Twitter. End of Time Cast is on Twitter. You can, you can twit us. I, I'm, I gotta say, I haven't been twitted yet, so I, I'm indifferent to being twitted. But if somebody twits me, I'll let you know how I feel being <laughs> twitted. I'll let you know if, if I'm allowing that anymore. But that's gonna do it. We got more episodes. We're gonna have another one come next week. A new topic. What's that topic gonna be? You have to come back and find out. Until then, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. We love you all. Please share us. Get our, get our name out there. We will see you. We will let, we will let you listen to us next time. Don't think too hard about it. Yeah. Um, until next time, folks. I'm Michael. I'm Chris. All right. Good night, everybody.